<laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host and alligator wrangler, Kevin Gallagher. <laughs> and today we have a very special guest, uh, he, uh, Jiu -Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, one half of the Rear Naked Radio podcast, our fiercest rivals, <laughs> and uh, proprietor of perhaps the funniest Jiu-Jitsu meme page on Instagram because Jiu-Jitsu, uh, because Jitsu, sorry about that, yeah. Drew Weatherhead. Drew, no. thank you very much for joining us today. <laughs> I'm super happy to be here, and thank you for that great introduction. But before we get any further, we're going to have to cycle back to Alligator Wrangler. You can't just throw <laughs> that away. Uh, it's a, it's it's one of the many fictional titles that I wish were true. The, the, if, if, oh, okay. if half of the folklore surrounding me was was, was as cool as it sounds. I've, yeah. I've done a, a fair a amount superhero. of legwork in building out Gallagher's legacy in the northern states. I was I've so excited. I had flashes of, like, Tiger King, but alligator edition. One day, yeah. a Tiger King level documentary will be made about Kevin Gallagher. <laughs> Let's uh -oh. just hope it has a happy ending. That's, that's, <laughs> the, that's, the only, that's the only thing we're dealing with now. <laughs> oh, man. Has anyone seen that? Yeah, I'm on the last episode right now. It's just, it's just an absolute shit show. <laughs> I it's, I'm saving it. I'm really I'm saving it for this weekend. Probably it's definitely it's definitely worth killing a weekend. I'm I'm from Tampa, so uh, um, Carol, the Tiger King chick, the one that runs the uh, what is it? Carol Baskin, the, the big cat habitat. That's that's in Tampa. It's probably about twenty minutes away from my house, so okay. I can remember the time. That she killed uh, her husband when all that went down, right? Yeah, and it was in the news, and it was before they had the big cat rescue, and it was just like mysterious death of millionaire, and everybody from Tampa have, have years for years have already been like, yeah, that bitch killed her husband. So that's kind of like the, the folklore that we all knew about. That's and funny. even how more than feel, that, how does it feel to live twenty minutes from a definite murder? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I live close. I'm sure there's a few more living that are, that are clear close to me too. <laughs> um that, that's like the, the down country version of of uh kurt cobain and courtney love <laughs> <laughs> she uh she was definitely a prostitute by the way that is the uh the, carol the baskin carol baskin so oh. when there's a, there's a scene early in the uh in the in the series i think episode two where they talk about when she meets her first husband the first yeah, time and she's walking Walking uh, down Nebraska Avenue at night. That, well, that's a euphemism. Everyone in Tampa, yes, definitely. Everyone in Tampa that's grown up in Tampa knows that Nebraska Avenue was where the hookers were. So, yeah, and, and particularly that that liquor store, Alpine liquor store that they show a lot. So, like literally that liquor store in Nebraska Avenue, I could walk there from my house right now. Where they show, you seem where they like yeah. really um, into the scene. Like you have some information on this. No, I'm, What's I'm going on here, Kevin? You no, know, I don't really like to break news. I don't want to be that guy, but I still, I, I, you know, eventually it'll all come to light, and I'll just be able to tell you that I knew it first. So, <laughs> I just I, the the mythology of Florida is so fascinating. People are like a, a hundred like. 2000 years from now like philosophers are going to be unpacking all the crazy stuff that's happened there for for decades there's going to be college Man. courses offered on it it's going to I've, be great i've been to florida precisely one time ever um i used to work with uh five grappling back in 2013 14 and did like their whole u.s tour helping them with their tournaments and their last one that they did in uh, the 2014 season was in miami and that was the only time I've been to Florida. So uh, maybe you can fill in my story after I give it, because I'm sure you've got more <laughs> nuance. But it was the weirdest shit. <laughs> I've been up to, to a lot of places, a lot of big cities. Nothing compares. It's it's 
its own universe. Um, afterwards, I'll tell you the one story, um, and then after you can sort of fill in, see how common this is. But yeah. afterwards, after the tournament, uh, tournament was as normal as any other tournament. But after the tournament, this uh, guy who is—I don't know if he was a benefactor or a silent partner or just a really rich guy involved with five grappling—has um, a mansion just out on the the i don't know the bayou or whatever out there just outside of town <laughs> so he's like you want to come by and we're gonna party at the house afterwards and i was like eh, i don't know but the other guys that own the company they're like yeah we're going you want to come I'm like oh fuck. okay let's jump in the truck so we go down there it is a gated community that tiger woods lives in that we we have to get like security check just to get into the damn place then we go down this house where it's just like millionaire mansion after millionaire mansion and we finally pull up to this one that is just another millionaire mansion every bit of 10 million dollars for sure infinity pool it's got uh, a theater room he gives me the whole tour outside we've got um like a built-in patio pizzeria like it's oh, got like one of those stone ovens <laughs> yeah like, not, not like kind of like tiger oven. king yeah <laughs> like not only that not only stone oven, but it's got like a whole kitchen area out there with two built-in chefs that just live there to make pizza. Some, some little like Italian guy with a twirly mustache. <laughs> hey, we're making a pizza yeah. pie. Yeah. They're, they're Oompa Loompas, but with mustaches. Yeah. Really cool and so I, I forget the guy's last name. It was very um, – I. It was very Italian. Uh, I don't know. You can just call him Mario. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, he was for sure a mobster. Like I have no doubt that he he just came down from New York one time to hide from the law. But did he give um, you a hundred dollar bill for no reason? Did he just like slap <laughs> slap a hundred dollar bill in your hand for no reason? Well, we we talked about business plans that were never going to happen the whole night. Like he's just I don't know. It was it was very weird. I've never been in such a strange situation where I'm like I'm uh, in the lap of luxury that I'm sure is all ill gotten, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I'm having a good time and I don't want to piss these guys off. <laughs> There'll be no judgment to you, but I'm just curious. Was there mounds of cocaine laying around in random spots around probably, the house? Probably, probably in the one room he didn't show me. Yeah. Was, was Al Pacino there at all? Just curious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it was weird, weird, weird. But um, that was my one experience. So how common is this? So <laughs> being how many monsters funny, live in Florida? It's funny you say that because I, can, I, I I've been I've lived in I've lived in Florida, particularly Tampa, who was. Of, of all the places of Florida, Tampa is literally one of the get yeah, Tampa and Miami. Those are the two biggest hubs for, for this illicit behavior. Mm -hmm. um, Florida is kind of known for a, uh, uh, a sanctuary for the, for the, for the misfits of the world. But first of all, there's no state tax. So these guys can run their businesses down here and buy property and all that shit and have to pay state taxes on it. And the regulation down here is, you know, slim to none. It's a predominantly Republican state. And I'm not saying, this or that but it's just facts republican states normally have less regulation which means that it's been a hub for every miscreant business <laughs> that you yeah. could imagine over the last 20 years mortgage and mortgage mortgage broker boom right here in tampa every asshole i knew was, was selling mortgages back yeah in it's like that was always kind of the um the reputation of the area in the movie business you know like what you right. see outside of florida but it was so funny that that was immediately what i ran into the one and only time that i went down there i'm like i remember a guy telling me you go to la to make a name you go to New York to make a fortune, and you go to Florida to change your name and hide your fortune. That's so fucking true. It's so true. I, you know, it's really funny you say that too, man. Because literally, literally, like I, I, you know, I've worked in I worked in fine dining restaurants for you know I went to a to a to a 
you know, Jesuit high school. So I, I, I worked at a really high end fine dining restaurant as a bartender for, for years and years and years for 13 years. So I was directly involved in that type of element for a long, long time. I used to get invited mm -hmm. to parties like that shit all the time. And the number of people that fit the exact description of what you were saying <laughs> is literally astronomical. You, you can't imagine it. And it's all just like, you don't know what they do. Like, mm -hmm. like what, what do you do? You want, uh, you want to hear the story I got? I asked the guy, this is his story of how he made these untold millions of dollars. It's hilarious because while he's saying, I'm like, that's not it at all. <laughs> yeah, now you're like, that's not even close to be true. Yeah. But the problem you know, is, is like, in, everyone in, in Florida, everyone in Florida is so amazed. They don't care about the how. They're just yeah. looking at the why and they go, well, fuck yeah, that sounds I, great. I'm sure he was just showing off his cover story. Like, isn't this cool? <laughs> I thought about this. This is like the eighth draft of this story that I'm yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so he starts off with, uh, so you know, uh, you ever watch those late night infomercials and you see, uh, oh, you see this uh, plug in where it's like a plug in, but it's not really a plug. That was me. <laughs> Yay. I That's... need this. I need this guy to be from Newark. Oh, I, man. I need him so badly. He's I, not right. I would be so proud if he was a Garden State boy <laughs> that made it big and then hit his money. Yeah. Floor. It seems like everybody down there either has a Puerto Rican accent or a New York accent. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> To be honest with you too, like even if you want to go back to like historical elements, because like I again, like I said, I grew up in Tampa my my entire life. I've been here for a long, long time back, and I and I know a lot of the historical pieces that make Florida what it is. So like in the turn of the century, right around the 1900s, there was Ybor City, and Ybor City was the cigar manufacturer. It was at one time the cigar mm -hmm. manufacturer capital of the world. So it, it, you know it attracted a lot of money, but you got to remember that tobacco money was always kind of you know sketchy money. It was like yeah, prohibition yeah. at that time. So what would happen was is a lot of the mobsters and the, the mob types would come down to Tampa and open up shops in Tampa because it was kind of like their their sanctuary, like Tropicante lived mm -hmm. in Tampa. So now not only do we have all this unfettered business, un unregulated business, we also have a very strong mob presence in the air. I mean, when I my first job that I worked at, maybe not my first job, but one of my first restaurant jobs when I was a waiter, I learned at Barton, which is a bar called Malia's, which, you know. I, I love all the people. Hope they're not watching. But it was obviously it was only it was basically a mob front. I mean, it was basically <laughs> owned and operated by the Sanchez family, which were freaking mobsters. I hope I don't get killed for that. Kevin, but it's how, really how many how many uh, Floridians have to just sort of accept things and not say anything? Like like how many people know when something's mob operated, but they just got to got to be cool. Well, I would say that Floridians, well, first of all, we're not living in the era where they just come whack you anymore. I mean, there was a time when you just accepted shit, you kept your mouth Unless shut. Unless you're the Tiger King. Unless <laughs> you're the fucking Tiger King, right? Well, you got caught. You know, there's no such thing as like just dumping the body in the bay. You know, we've got forensics evidence now. So well, we can't, can't get away with that shit. But I mean, I think Floridians in general, that have been here for a while that are real Floridians, not transplants, not people that came from other places, people that lived there their whole lives. We just accept that Wild West insanity as part of what we live through, and that's just the way the way the wow. world is. It's the weird. Card should be like, uh, "Welcome to Florida. Watch the Gators. Watch the gangsters." <laughs> they, they give you a handgun at uh, at uh, customs. Like, You're gonna want this. You're gonna don't return it though. Like, don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in an MLM. I would say that my only experience with like grotesque amounts of money was like it's it was secondhand, and it was actually the one time I went to LA. 
And it was actually before I even got into jujitsu, I told the story. Uh, my my uh, uncle worked with Eddie Bravo and got me and my buddies tickets to Metamorphosis Three. Oh, nice! Which was uh, it was Eddie versus uh, Hoyler, right? Oh, that yeah, that, I think that it was, was Eddie one. versus the, the rematch. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, my uh, my uh, buddy Ed came, and he was actually my first jujitsu coach. And the whole time on the plane, he's like, dude. You got to be careful. Head on a swivel, man. They sell your soul out here. And I'm like, come on, man. You're being like ridiculous. And then w- when we come down the escalator leaving the airport, there's just a line of, of luxury sports cars that eyeballing it. There was a Bugatti. There was two, like there was a bunch of Ferraris, like La Ferraris, like the crazy concept ones that were just sitting there with people next to them. And I'm like, oh, he might be right. Like that was like I'm like oh some bad stuff happens here. Yeah. yeah, but the thing about LA is again like at least in LA you're dealing with like a like California has like real yeah, proper like, rich people. Yeah, proper rich people. Like <laughs> these people actually have you. Know, they may have like imaginary lies, but their their functions are very fucking real. Like they yeah work they've the they've earned they earned their money with very little murder involved. One hundred percent. In All Florida, they have to do. It's just massive insanity. And the people that are making his money literally have no skills but hustling and being criminals. Anyway, whatever. Could could you be a mob enforcer, Kev? Do you think you'd have the I mentality think I for my, it? I think I'd miss my calling. I think I should have been born like 25, 30 years ago. I should just be the guy that shows up at your door and says, hey, you know, it's that'll not be, my fault. <laughs> that'll be your next made-up uh, occupation after yeah. alligator wrangling. I, I could just imagine it. Dude, if I was born 25 years, I would have been I, a made man, man. I, sure. I, I'm not yeah. <laughs> It's not me, man. I love, but Tony says I got to break your knees, so I got to break your knees. <laughs> I'll, do it, real business. Business. I'll <laughs> do it real efficiently. I'll do it real efficiently. Exactly. Like, you know, if you I just got... let it happen, I do it real quick with a little. Inside I know the proper mechanics, mechanics and that, breaking mechanics to, to make <laughs> yeah, it so. Right. It's <laughs> I'll even exp- I'll even explain to you the mechanics of my of the breaking. As I, uh... Actually, yeah. could you be? My, I'm gonna film a video. Could you be my uke? And I'll just not. I'll I'll ignore the tab. <laughs> yeah, we can both benefit from this. Yeah, this is a learning experience. You're giving a lot of people a lot of lessons. Out there, usually I charge for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Usually it's a hundred bucks an hour. Look at think of it that way. Oh my god! So, now, I, now I want to go to Florida. <laughs> I, I mean, for all it's worth, Florida is also the town that if you know five people that know everybody, then you know everyone. You know what I'm talking right. about? It's not very. Right. It's not like L.A. It's you have to be of the elite, the of the elite, to be able to, to mm-hmm. intermingle with those people. Like and and. In Florida, you just have to be like the guy that's got the cocaine. And like, you know, how, about, like, how about this? In, in LA, and I'm sure you're the same way, is it's so easy being in the jujitsu community to have those types of contacts because so many people train oh, down there. It's 100%. like the Mecca. Uh, SoCal is yeah. one of the Meccas of BJJ. So isn't it funny that just this really niche, weird martial arts community has like inroads right to the celebrities right. and like the movie <laughs> makers <laughs> and stuff. Like, like Machado is hanging out yeah. with Ashley Kushner. You know? yeah. uh, also, it's it's, it's it's like I was I wrote an article about this for uh, Matt Savage. It's like a new uh, jujitsu blog, and they, they're also a, a meme page. But I was saying I was talking about how weird it is how accessible jujitsu celebrities are, yeah. like MMA celebrities. Is like I could realistically reach out to some pretty big names and and maybe get a response, which is insane. Yeah, it's ridiculous. and I'm it's like crazy. it's like if, if this was a baseball podcast, 
how how likely am I going to get a rod on here? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Like some of the people we've had on our podcast so far, that blows my mind. Just because right. I have a big meme page that they reply to me, right. and I'm like, I can get like a half hour, forty five minutes out of any of these guys. This is yeah. insane. The, yeah. the yeah. people that we had on there already. If you if you're listening and haven't checked it out yet, go check it out. Um, but the people we have coming up will blow your mind as well. <laughs> yeah, you guys, just it's have not to so hard. Right? I mean, it's the thing about the thing about the jiu-jitsu community is like, yes, there are a few people that are, you know, big, big deal. But at the end of the day, none of them are really that big of a deal. You know, and, and mm -hmm. to, to say that, it, no, I mean, and it's a present that you can get the talent. But the idea is, is like the talent is talent, but it's not like they're freaking, there's still dudes that live in their freaking like in, in, in two bedroom apartments. Well, you know, with, with yes people. and no, because there's people like Aston Kutcher that are in that mix, right? So yeah. like, like we're touching base with some people that will like legitimately change your opinion on that yeah right. i can i can cut this out if it's if it's like proprietary not did you get him <laughs> did you get ashton i've i've got a friend who knows a friend who's working on him uh, i've, I've okay. got uh, i've had direct contact with maynard keenan i've had direct contact with a lot of people that would be like if we get these guys once you know <laughs> yeah yeah our our first like big ticket was probably flavio like we mm -hmm. had flavio on right after the half stuff started to ramp up oh, earlier yeah. in the year and that that was just crazy to write about because like talk about mob shit like <laughs> yeah that's no mob shit right there <laughs> yeah yeah we got um greg jackson we're gonna be recording in a couple days Ooh. here that's right after all the john jones shit that's gone down should be that's a fun awesome one. that's awesome Let's talk about that knucklehead for a little bit. You guys want to delve into that? Yeah. It's, it's funny because we, it's 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 weird because we're living in a world where it's you know post jujitsu, post MMA, and we it's difficult to find things to talk about. But if you really think hard enough, there are some pretty cool. And we 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 could talk a little bit about uh, John Jones and I mean uh, and it's not cool what he did. Like, no, let, no, let's no. just get that out there. He opened fire in a re in like an, a, a neighborhood in Al Albuquerque while he was driving drunk. Like that's let, let's just be clear. What's not cool about that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean it's <laughs> not what we're supposed to do. He's trying to be make GTA kind of a great. That's not very black and white. It's a little gray, He's trying to bring the video game GTA into the real world, and I think if there's any guy that can do it, it's him. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I it was so bizarre just because. I really thought he was going to lay low after the last one. All know? the guns and ammo guys that are walking around in cargo shorts with big pot bellies are so happy that the strongest, most powerful fighter in the world in the UFC resort resorted to a gun immediately. Oh, yeah. It made all their days. They made everybody's day. Even John Jones is packing. I've been telling you. I've been telling you this whole time. Not for the street. That, that dumb ground and, and pound stuff yeah. ain't nothing to my magnum. Every freaking tactical warrior out there I see with their freaking uh, their, their weekend, uh, weekend excursion to the gun range yeah uh, they, man. They, they, i used to work with a guy that that was a gunsmith well i was i think i was a purple belt or something and he found out that i i trained martial arts he's like yeah uh that's all well and good or whatever but you know what i train and he puts his hands up like he's swinging a shotgun and he goes <laughs> i train ching ching <laughs> i'm like oh my <laughs> fucking god that's cool dude like, wow, I'm, like all right <laughs> that's that's cool i guess man you know i hope, I hope you don't die of freaking heart disease before you get to your <laughs> oh he 100 percent was going to <laughs> that's like that's like that there's a, a bit of insecurity i think built in there it's Just like a bit. whenever whenever you hear someone even mildly improving more than you like you hear people going like oh man i'm using this corn or like uh i'm a uh, man i really i'm starting to lose my weight oh yeah well i could hit you with my car so like doesn't really <laughs> matter does it like oh yeah you can run fast 
not faster than a car. <laughs> You like got a lot of hit and runs down there. <laughs> uh, well, I, growing up in Connecticut on the Merritt Parkway, I do know people that just do not know how to drive. So it's just it's a nightmare. Uh, Drew, where like are you John living? Jones? <laughs> no, he can drive. You know, no, he, he can't. Just, he wrecked I mean, his he Bentley. That was the first headline. <laughs> he can drive. He just can't stay sober. Oh, he did. Yeah, that's right. the problem. Yeah, pretty much sure driving Look, ability. He, maybe he's so good at driving that he's just taking it to this next level. Where he's like, I gotta get it to that next hard mode. Where it's it's hard again because right, it's so exactly. easy. And, and when, you know, the we all screw why he up did on cocaine when he when he did that when he fought the UFC because he was freaking. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> you finish you finish the video game on on easy mode, then you got to bump it up. Yeah, and you he's, bump he's it got up. to that legendary status where it's like, yeah, sure, we all die at legendary, but at least he's living. <laughs> I think funny, I man. think at the, with that logic, how close are we to John Jones putting out a hit on himself, like offering ten million dollars straight to the guy that can end him? <laughs> I think like 12k of cocaine and 13 boner pills. Yeah, he'll yeah he'll he'll end up killing so, himself so, on his own. He'll so we have two, we have two days. What I'm what I'm hearing is we have two days until John Jones put out puts out a hit on him. Could yeah. already be done. I just I, I mean, just I, <laughs> I just feel bad for the guy sometimes. It, the, the thing that upsets me the most about the whole thing is that like I I saw this coming and I didn't want to see it coming. I really wanted to believe that he had changed his ways. And I really wanted to believe that he had finally decided to realize that like wait a minute i have to change the way i'm living but like i never once in any conversation or any interview i ever saw with him saw any true remorse for what he had done wrong and as people that will know if they've had any contact with addicts if they're not showing any remorse they still don't believe that they have a problem they still believe mm -hmm. they are in the right and you know you, yeah, you never really not, hit that rock bottom He's not even sad that he's got caught. You know no, what I mean? No, like, that's nothing to him. <laughs> it's it's automatically somebody else's fault. He was a victim of circumstances. This guy sure. did that. This guy did that. It wasn't sure. that he, was he knows in somebody's neighborhood. He knows he's right. going to be back sooner than the average person, and it's been that way every time. It's a little slap on the wrist. He he does his time. He comes back, has a mediocre fight, does another crime. <laughs> right, exactly. We'll I'm, see. Uh, we'll see how this one plays out. I, I wonder if Dana White drops the hammer on him. I, they're not talking too much about it because I think he's got bigger fish to fry right now. But well, he's yeah. going to serve four days uh, house in, arrest in, in house arrest during a quarantine, which right, is exactly. So whatever. So I'm I'm serving three months of freaking house arrest. I, I, I think he's got he. He's got literal like his lawyer must actually be Rumpelstiltskin spinning thread into gold, just like <laughs> able to materialize this this these these gifts that he keeps getting. Whoever his lawyer is hasn't slept in five years. Right. Oh my god! Who, whoever his lawyer is, is is the happiest lawyer in Albuquerque because he's making <laughs> shit tons of money. I think he just sits at his desk with like just doing nothing. He doesn't even need to eat at this point, but he's got right. a gun and one bullet like right there and a phone that's just able to be called by john jones right, right here he's probably he's probably buying john jones cocaine too i mean <laughs> i listen i uh, the i have a friend that's that's currently finishing up law school and he like his take on it is just that there's there's rarely ever justice for celebrities you know sure like, Sure. That's the sad, cynical view of it. And it's but. just because of that fact right there. I and mean, when, you, when you look at a lot of these professional football players and you talk about, like, mm. the, 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 the cycle of, uh, of, of 
of being giving everything and treated like a like a superstar from 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 a from a very young starting point. Like a lot of these like professional football player, for example, you take a professional football player in high school, they were probably the best guy on the whole team. So like they had everything given to him. People people treated him like celebrity status. They allowed him to kind of like, oh well, that's just you know that's that's John. You know he's the quarterback. You know he we can't mm. we can't suspend him. We you know we'll help him out a little bit. It was great. So then that carries over into college into the same vein where they kind of maybe get things not necessarily given to them, but they get kind of streamlined until they finally go out and start making millions and millions of dollars. And they never really get to a point to where they realize, holy shit, like eventually I have to play by the same rules of everyone else because if I don't, things are going to start to fall apart for me and I can't keep getting out of trouble. Yeah. Right. I don't think John's at that point yet. <laughs> uh, I, maybe this time. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I, saw, I, don't, I don't think he'll ever. Something I saw someone, like on, I saw someone I on, on Twitter say that like he's he's – one massive screw up away from being like the OJ of MMA. And I'm like, I don't, let's, let's not, let's not, he's, that he's trying this. to be the OG and he ended up the OJ. Uh, a few letters off really. You know, it's, I damn. wouldn't take that off the table, man. You never know with guys like that. People think, I mean, you look at a, a couple of like, like hot rod Williams was something that guy that, uh, killed his wife or something like that tried to smuggle some chick away in a in the back of his truck or something like that or, like the, <laughs> or they tried H- to H- smuggle H- him H- out of the country or something hbo just dropped that documentary on uh chris benoit the, the wwe wrestler that famously yeah, murder suicided oh yeah, yeah that's, that, that was that's, a bad one that was just it's awful like the, mm-hmm. there's a lot of crazy so we got to be ha- grateful that like mma hasn't produced anyone like that yet you know, sure. So, yeah, you know. at least they haven't caught those guys yet. Yeah, exactly. At least they have really some rumors. Like, oh, yeah, man. Number take. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it's. I was talking about this uh, the other day on my other podcast, the Old Man Grappling Hour, and um, they were talking. We were talking about how, you know, MMA fighters. He was. He was one of one of my guys. I was interviewing Robert Denorfi was talking about how he he saw an old Mark Coleman. And he was like, Mark Coleman, like he didn't look too good. He was kind of like slipping up and shit like that. And I'm like, yeah, man. So, you know, I came up around boxing. I boxed for a long time when I was a kid. So I've been around professional boxing for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So coming up in that environment, like we're talking about guys that have been boxing. You know, boxing has been going on for, you know, centuries now. So a century, at least, at least 100 years, a little bit over 100 years or so, whatever. But like as long as we've had fists for sure. Exactly. 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 The Greeks were boxing. So like, like. But organized boxing will say yeah. 100 years. So, so um, like, based upon that, I've seen old fighters that like are older now that come back into the come back into the with the gym and like used to train. They talk and say hey to people, and like you look at them and like hey Tony and hey Champ, what's up? And they're like oh, you know, they've got Parkinson's or early set Alzheimer's. But you know, MMA isn't that old. You know, MMA hasn't been around long enough to start to see those instances start to pop up. Dude, did you see Diego Sanchez talking oh, about how man, CTE is like a myth? Oh, oh my, god. my god! Of all the people, like I think yeah, before he man. ever got punched, he had brain damage. Yeah, he was a little bit off before. <laughs> okay, but real since quick, he's been punched, <laughs> real quick, just like in his defense, he's currently being bra- like oh, I don't want to say anything too mean because like he it's I, it seems like he's got a a cult leader running his camp now, so I, I think he might be getting brainwashed and whatnot. Have you not heard about this? <laughs> Yeah, I have, but I'm just thinking like I saw why, a little bit of that too, yeah. What it wouldn't even first of all, it wouldn't even surprise me. 
that that's what's happening. Second of all, I don't even think it really matters. Like no. the guy was batshit yeah. crazy before the cult leader. Well, it's funny too because like imagine how bad it would be if he didn't have somebody pulling the strings. God, he'd be like wandering the streets alone. You know, he, 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 almost, <laughs> he almost needs a cult leader to keep him alive. Yeah, for real. Oh no, like just the guy to make sure he eats on the appropriate times because he right. thinks nutrition is a myth. <laughs> Those are things that you're going to start, and again, just from someone that knows, and I'm not saying it's going to be the case because boxing is, you know, typically a little more traumatic to the brain traditionally than uh, than MMA has been or is. But like, it's not really the fights that get you; it's the training that gets sure. you. Fights are the yeah. easy part. You know, I'm sure you've seen the old uh, training footage of Mike Tyson when he was like a teenager, oh, early twenties. Yeah. He's murdering his yeah, training partners. Right, like right. they are dead in the ring. I'm like, that was a training day. <laughs> boxing, boxing is known for that. Like guys, my MMA fighters that I would take to go to the old boxing gyms and stuff around town. Like the, the boxing sparring is brutal, mm. and that's just the way the sport is. Is you, you're it's all about beating the shit out of each other and, and build, you know, breaking yourself up to build yourself down again. It's old school mentality. You even see a little bit of that overtraining in in MMA. Just like famously, uh, Ultimate Fighter winner chris holdsworth before he even really got started with his ufc career he was like he got really injured in training at team alpha male and now like he he might never compete again just because of injuries he sustained during training mm -hmm. so it, it's it's sort of like that ken shamrock lion's den mentality where like they're they're trying to absolutely gas themselves well, I feel like that's that's kind of changed since the the '90s and early 2000s mentality of training MMA. So back in the day, in the lion's den, the snake pit days, it was all about tough guy get tough, grind the other ones down. Um, nowadays, you hear a lot of people like you you talk to Cowboy Cerrone or someone like that. They're talking about uh, no hit sparring. They're talking about high cardio. Uh, good diets you know keep the body healthy keep the mind active the skills are already there just just sharpen up little details for each fight you don't hear as much about people going to war like valet tudo shoot a box kind of days you know yeah they they uh the the, the technology and the 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 wherewithal of of training has come eons particularly in the fighting world because you're right the old school thought process was is you had to just beat yourself down to build yourself back up again and to, mm -hmm. to constantly grind so that you were prepared for what a fight was going to be like well guys are starting to realize you know in boxing you can almost get away with that because it's not as physically grueling entirely on the body in mma you're talking about combining wrestling, jujitsu, and striking, and it's you know it's impossible to recreate that environment every mm -hmm. single day. So guys are starting to realize they don't need to do those ridiculous uh, circuit training that that simulates what you know breaking your body down will be like in a fight. Because hey, you can do that in a more intelligent manner by breaking up your your, your workouts and not working as hard. You work efficiently mm -hmm. instead of harder. Yeah, I feel like one of the first uh, pathfinders or, or uh, trailblazers in that respect was George St. Pierre. Yeah. Like you remember back in the day when you saw those countdown videos coming up for his leading up on his fight. He's like, oh, I wonder what fucking weird thing he's doing this time to work out. Oh, he's, right. he's like lifting milk jugs underwater or he's doing gymnastics or right. some shit. You know, he's he was constantly out there looking for the next best workout, which um, seemed weird at an elite fighting level. But it gave him such an advantage in cardio. He kept up a pace on people at one. 70 that nobody else could really match i mean until later on other people started emulating the same ideas but um they uh to to cycle back to the original point i think that mma is now much more of a uh, refined art than it is just a very brash gross hit him till he falls down kind of deal
Of course, 100%. Like, even, even if you look at the fighters in today's MMA, like, if you're not at least competent in all aspects of MMA, you might as well not even compete because you're not going to make it. There's very few outliers anymore that are just jujitsu guys. Even guys that mm-hmm. are jujitsu guys like Damian Maya have to figure out a way to develop some kind of a striking game in order to get in on the, on the yeah. takedowns. Or I think it, it feels like we, we saw the last of that type of fighter in Ben Askren, you know, a guy who, who was so elite of elite with his scrambling and wrestling that he could, rely on that over like other skills you know his, mm-hmm. his submissions and like his ability to positionally uh outmaneuver and, and outpin his opponents really served him well and, but then when, when he was elevated to those those higher rungs of competition we saw guys that could deal with it you know even in his yeah. fight that he won robbie lawler was effortlessly dealing with his wrestling just with like mm-hmm. You know, explosive. You almost strength. knocked him out with that takedown. For sure, I right. feel like there's oh always going to be a place for the specialist, but it's just not in the top ten anymore. No, and you and you and you can be a specialist in one area, but you have to be able to do it all. You have to. Well, be yeah, able you to look understand at aspects of everything. People would consider Khabib a specialist, but he knocked Conor McGregor yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's you. You see that now. You. you uh, like. MMA, I, I say this a lot. I've been saying this for years. Like MMA has become a martial art in yeah. of itself. It's there's no no more mixed martial arts. It's yeah. through training MMA. You know, and it's, it's its own thing. Yeah, that's right. And it's not just a martial art. It's actually like the foundation of learning MMA is its own style, right? Like you have to learn MMA before you go in there and now you can specialize in these other things. And it used to be the other way around. That's how the whole thing started, right? Was mixed martial arts. We're going to throw all these different martial arts at each other. It's going to be the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the idea. But now it's got to the point where kids are coming up. I think the first one I I noticed was Rory McDonald because he was uh, from BC. I'm in Alberta. Uh, to answer your earlier question, where I'm at, I'm up in Canada. And I, caught, I caught a few A's in there. If I was yeah. going to take Canada somewhere, <laughs> yeah, I try to check way myself. Too polite to be an American. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, Rory was in the same local scene as a bunch of people that I knew coming up. He was the young kid, and um, he started training mixed martial arts. That was his style. So he came up under Toshido, who was just right. an MMA gym. And that, that was it. They didn't teach him wrestling. Then they taught him boxing. Then they taught him kickboxing. Then they taught, taught him jujitsu. Yeah, exactly. This style is its own style. And because of that, he had no holds by the time he became elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would it, say that that real quick, I would say that yeah. that's not always a perfect formula. And I, the only reason I say that is because you look at uh, a similar background to Rory McDon- uh, McDonald. Uh, Aaron Pico, you know, like mm. Golden Gloves boxer, you know, like state rest, like like really high level wrestler, uh, was was training in all of those fundamental disciplines that would make MMA, and he was billed as like this super big prospect. So, uh, but he's not had the career so far that his uh, pedigree would suggest that he would have. Okay, I feel like you're describing like the the version 1.5 of what MMA is. Version 1 from 1.0 was all the different martial arts being thrown at each other. 
oh, yeah. one, 1. 1.5 is getting really good at all of those things at the same time. Um, and then I think the 2.0, which is really taking over, is it as itself. Like MMA is its own style. You have to learn how to sprawl and brawl as part of your stand-up. You have to learn how to, you know, defeat judo throws off the cage, like stuff that is just purely MMA. And that's what Rory was doing. He wasn't uh, going to Toshido to learn boxing today and wrestling tomorrow. It was MMA every day. Yeah. That's an interesting, that's an interesting concept. I, I personally believe in, in that as a principle, but I also believe that you, know, you should be training MMA to understand how all three of them hold together. But I tell my young fighters, the guys that I train with all the time, a lot of the amateur guys and stuff like that, that you have to also be individually training each one of the aspects, all the aspects of your of your game individually to learn to get your entirety of your MMA on point. I think it's important to do that. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from from with the Roy McDonald. I'm not trying to contradict. I'm mean, with you know the Roy McDonald freaking philosophy, but I also feel like. Sometimes I would take that kid and say, hey, look, you know, you need to focus on your jiu-jitsu a little bit more, you know, come in here and take some jiu-jitsu. Yeah, it's, it's always going to be student to student, depending how it right. goes. Like, look, it's not just because Roy trained this way that he got as good as he was. He was a phenomenal person to right. begin with. So right. he had the potential to get there. It was just the modality that got him there. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you can you can make the same arguments on the other side of the coin saying that the Diaz brothers still put on their boxing shoes when they're practicing boxing and they right. do their, their long-distance runs for their cardio and they do their jiu-jitsu Train the gig, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you can't really shit on their style. But again, right. I feel like that's the one, the the one point five version yeah. that it still doesn't suck. Don't get me wrong; it's still right. great. It's just a different modality. I, I just, I, I real quick, I think now that I'm thinking about it, and I'm realizing there's a perfect example with Rory going against what could n be described as nothing, nothing other than a specialist, and that was his uh like his fight against Neiman Gracie. You know, this mm. guy, this this guy is a absolute stud black belt born in like like son of marcio stambowski got his black belt from holes gracie like one of the fabulous five like he is as jujitsu as you can get he's training at henzo's he is a jujitsu guy and you saw that rory was able to shut down a lot of his jujitsu like he had a few submission attempts in the fight but he was able to rely on his his bases to dominate, you know, and there's no question that he won that fight. Well, man, um, Rory had a super fight against JT Torres and he didn't get submitted. Take that into account. He's not right. just some blue belt who's good at MMA. Oh, no. Right. That, yeah, that right. I, exactly. I, I, that was not what I was uh, going argu arguably against the, the greatest freaking uh, jujitsu yeah. guy on the planet right now. Yeah. And one, this one is of them anyway. He, he, as far as I know, he doesn't train in the gi or ever has. And he didn't, like, I'm sure that uh, during the classes they do, like, focuses on jujitsu and stuff like that. But his whole, um, as far as I understand it, his whole training was towards MMA as MMA itself. So that's pretty crazy to consider that he got to that level of a specialty part of MMA as he's training it all at the same time. I just I think of a lot of times when I think of guys that have been doing MMA. We had our guest uh, last week. I forget her name. What was her name? Kev? Uh, Roxanne Modafari. Roxanne Modafari. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. She, you know, she's been in the in the fight game for almost God, close to fifteen years now, twenty she years said now. Thirty five fights. Yeah, thirty five. Like More forty wasn't? I think it was forty two. Wasn't? I thought it was forty two. Yeah. I thought she said thirty five. I'm gonna go back well, and I'll, I'll have the number up. Thirty five is still a lot. Whatever. She, <laughs> yeah. she, she had a whole lot of fights. The point is, is like it. it you know, in that course of time. She just got her black belt recently, and I, mm -hmm. I see I see you know a lot of fighters that have been in the game for as long as they have, and I think to myself, Jesus, like how the hell are you still 
just a purple belt or a blue belt. And then, well, anyway. let's hear your thoughts on that because that's kind of a controversial topic, and you can get people on either side of the fence. I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on uh, MMA fighters that are clearly elite uh, grapplers. Take John Jones for instance. Right. Um, he's not a black belt. Right. Why? He's, he got a so, purple belt. So I'll I'll say I'll say this in in that regard. So. When, when you're dealing with jujitsu as an art form versus jujitsu as a fighting element, there are definitely way, way, way more nuanced and way, way, way more intricate approaches to the jujitsu as a sport element, simply because you are not in the danger of being punched in the face while you're doing jujitsu, sport jujitsu, or any jujitsu in the gym. When we're at the gym, just smacking hands and rolling, no one's going to punch me in the face, which allows you to open up your game because you're not as frightened about getting struck. So in that regard, also from the opposite side of that, if I am working to defend from a jujitsu point of view, I am in an advantage position as long as I have some kind of a theoretical understanding of what's going to happen because I can in turn strike my opponent from, from the top position, which is going limit, to limit his abilities to do things. So MMA jujitsu, unless you take it to the next level, you will be proficient at defending yourself you'll even maybe be proficient at some obscure like power moves just because you're strong and your base is unshakable and you can come through and rip a kimura on someone or grab some guillotine and rip it through you will not however ever be able to experience the true nuanced approach of what jujitsu entails against another high level jujitsu practitioner the timing the 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 the, the cascading uh techniques as you go down the wormhole from one of the next to the next. So along that same train of thought, when you start to think about MMA and now that person that has taken the time out to say, okay, cool, I'm going to explore these advanced notions of what jujitsu is. Now when they're in their match, when they're in their MMA fight, every once in a while they can look to those more advanced strategical aspects of the game setting up things stringing things together because they're aware of them that's just my philosophy and i don't know if that answered the question i okay. might have rambled a little bit but no it was it was a cool uh, divergent way to get there do you have any uh input on that one um i i was thinking about it and i think you know i'm i'm still very new to the sport relative to you guys okay never mind you then so, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna actually because i had a similar conversation we had um uh kev was out for this but we had uh chase hooper uh oh yeah yeah we've U had chase yeah, he's good yeah super uh super solid brown belt you know i've been i've been able to see some of his technique videos and i mm -hmm. asked him when he was on uh, his thoughts on, you know, the, the UFC, like black belts that are UFC fighters. And he actually had a very interesting opinion on it. And he's, and this is specific to black belts that were sort of black belts before they got big in the UFC. Mm -hmm. And that's that they, that he's noticed that their skills in jujitsu have seemingly waned a little bit and, and aren't where he believes. And he's like a high level Brown belt. He's he he doesn't think that's where they should be. He the example he used was Amanda Nunes, like he's he's not seeing uh, a black belt like style of grappling from her, and he like he's like you're fighting uh, uh, Jermaine Durandame, you know she's a Dutch kickboxer, and you're not taking her like you're standing with her, and I don't I'm not in her head, but I remember when. Tyron Woodley got his black belt. He was promoted after yeah, his uh, victory over Darren Till. Beautiful promotion. 
I know. And it was it was it was hard like it was it was heartwarming to see just like he's getting the UFC belt and it's like yeah but then when he get like he got his black belt first and he's he's absolutely broken down like yeah. he, we see the human moment from him. I I can't look at that and I I remember a lot of people of all different belt ranks were complaining about it. Online. Oh, of course. Everybody complains. And, right, right. Don't listen to I, online. Go, go roll, go oh, roll yeah, with Darren Pillman, Mr. Frickin' uh, Backwood no. Black Belt, and see how yeah. it works out for you. <laughs> or go, or go roll is... with Donald uh, Woodley and see how it works out for you. Yeah. I, I treat it like if I look at you and think you're a black belt, that's how I'll, I'll treat you. You know, mm. that's that's sort of how I operate. And uh, I can't look at that that performance, especially with the submission victory. You know, Dar's Choke, a really high-level thing to pull off in the cage. I can't look at that and go, that's not a black belt. Like, okay. So here's, here's where, um, I think we need to break down the, uh, the philosophy. I could, yeah. I could be a little off so, on that one. No, I think that you're, you're hitting kind of a, a, a same aspect of, of the same question, but I think I can make it maybe a little more uh, elucidary. Cause my, my thoughts are here. So when people see someone who is high level MMA, um, that is clearly a phenomenal grappler that would probably beat their black belt instructor if it was in a straight grappling match. People like John Jones, it happens all the time. Okay. People roll with him. They're like, this guy is fucking incredible. His technique is unstoppable. I can't everybody, do anything against Everybody has against that this guy. massive athletic blue belt. That's going to tap a black belt or a brown belt every once in a while. But even, even the people that, that people would make the argument for in the UFC is like, why is he not a black belt? His grappling is so good. And he's, he doesn't even hold a rank. So I think that there is, a difference between um, skill acquisition as well as what a black belt is. So clearly to get a belt, you need to have a gi. Okay. So that's just kind of like a basic thing. So if you aren't training in the gi, why should you care that you don't have a belt? Okay. It pulls your gi together. All right. So I feel like there's something different, different between a black belt and black belt skills. Does that make sense? I, because I, my, you can have, yeah. you can, I know black belts around here that are not as technically good at grappling as some of these guys that are in the top 10 level of the UFC. Does that mean they're not a black belt just because the guy fighting isn't? It's a different thing. You know, you've earned it through a different passage, through a different rite of passage. It's, it's an honor thing. It's something that um, if John were to be given his black belt, people will be mad. So it's not about his skills; it's about something else, right? Do you, do you do you say that in a in a positive manner or in a negative manner? I'm just curious. I think that both are good, and right. and they're they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, mm -hmm. but because they can be, uh, is where people get confused. It's like that guy's so good, how's he not a black belt? Well, he hasn't done what it takes to get a black belt. Right. And and, and like me and you, like we're black belts. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I when I roll with someone, I don't care how good or bad you are. I can generally almost almost with a with, you know, with a very acute like accuracy tell about what belt you are. I could be like, OK, yeah. that guy is a, a really athletic blue belt. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. That guy is, you know, uh, an old and down and out kind of brown belt. You know what I'm talking about? This dude's definitely a black belt. And there's not really a criteria that we could place on that to say, well, no, he, he's a black belt because he did X, Y, Z. We just kind of know like, Oh yeah. He was kind of hiding some few things. He was, I was, you know, that was a slick yeah. move. He must be X, Y, Z. But like, I, I also think that you're right in that, that, that a black belt 
isn't really a next isn't really a recognition or your belt rank isn't really a recognition of your skill level so much mm-hmm. it's more of a representation of your commitment yeah yeah right. i think that's what the missing thing is that a lot of people especially the casual mma fans just they can't understand because a lot of them don't even train right they're like how how is he not a black belt because right. you don't you don't really yeah. understand don't what it. it is it's it's its own thing yeah. you know um you know mayhem miller you remember that crazy he was one of my favorites let's make sure and talk about him before this is all done oh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. everybody's on a little mayhem story <laughs> he's amazing he's another one that we could probably get we've talked to him about the podcast oh, God, he wants please. to do how's, it how's he doing these days Just that's why been... I, that's the only reason why we haven't got him on because i have no idea what i'm bringing on the podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do some yeah. due diligence oh, on that lunch. yeah man make sure he's on his meds yeah yeah exactly but there was a point back in like the bully beatdown days when i was a real a real big fan of his i loved what he was doing and he had gotten his black belt like that year whatever year that was and there was um something he said which was really interesting because it kind of ties this whole idea of uh mma guy who's maybe a black belt level the difference between that and having or receiving your actual black belt and he said that when he got his black belt, he didn't realize how much it meant until he got it. Like right. he didn't really care about it until somebody presented him with it. And then he understood like, wow, I, this actually means a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it, it's a weirdness, man. It, it's, it's something that like, when you, when you get your black belt, it's like, you just kind of have this like all encompassing understanding that like, wow, like I'm, I'm, I'm fucking accomplished something amazing in my life that a lot of people are going to try to do and fail at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's 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 weird a, a black belt like it, it it just makes everything make sense I, I read it i read it one one point you know you read all those things about like what this belt mean what's that belt mean and all that other stuff and the, the different yeah. metaphors and analogies they made for it and one of the things i remember that that kind of stood out from there was when they talk about a black belt and like when they, they said something along the lines of like when you get your black belt there's no more uh insecurities there's no more nervousness because you don't have to concern yourself with getting that next belt. Like sure. everything you do in jujitsu from now on is done simply from the love of jujitsu. There's no more mm-hmm. anxiety about, oh God, I gotta, I gotta go out and train hard because I want to get my purple belt, or I'm gonna train hard because I want to get my brown belt. It's like you got it. Now you just want to learn to do jujitsu because you love that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I can having gone through all of the belts, um, black belt is the only one that even to this day I'll still, every time I tie it on, it feels important. Yeah. Okay. So like you get used to every belt before that you're like, yeah, I'm a blue belt. Yeah. I'm I'm a purple belt. Yeah. I'm a brown belt. I'm putting on my belt. But when you put on the black belt, it feels like you're putting on a responsibility. 100%. I would, I would just, I think that's interesting just because you, you, you guys refer to it almost as something that the belt is just a, a, a physical manifestation of a change that that sort of happens. And so this is a question I've I've been looking at some old stories on the Jiu-Jitsu Times and there's uh there's one that I'll I'll talk about after I ask this question to you, but can can you have a black belt taken away? Mm, interesting question. You want to hit that, Kev? Yeah. I personally have experience with that not that anyone's taken my black belt away from me but i have experience in my lineage of black belts where an instructor has tried to take a black belt away from a student for various reasons and i personally i don't believe you can i i Mm -hmm. so i 
the perfect example is this is like I there's a couple of instructors out there that are pretty deviant miscreants, you know what I mean? And child molesters and, and sex offenders and things like that, guys that are being locked up that are pretty horrible, horrible people. Mm-hmm. Now I will look at that person in the eye and I will say, You are a horrible person and you deserve everything you get. But I will also always respect the fact that they earned their black belt because mm-hmm. once you earn it you never don't earn it like it when, when you when you're an arm when you when you make it through ranger training and you get your ranger beret and your and your and your tag on your uh, on your jersey they can never take that away from you they can never mm-hmm. say you didn't make it through ranger training to qualify to be a ranger no matter what they do that's my thought process on it um yeah, that makes sense. Um, I I guess black belt is such a, its own thing that it'd be easier for everybody else who's not a black belt to understand if we put it into a different term or a, a lower belt. So if you are at a gym and you have somebody from another gym come in who wants to join your gym and say they're holding a blue belt or a purple belt, you kind of have an idea of what that is technically even if you're not a black belt, if you're a blue belt, you're like, yeah, I know what a blue belt is. Um, But they come in and they don't feel like they're up to what you would think a blue belt is. Do you expect your instructor to take his belt away and give him a white belt? No, that'll never happen. I I actually, I I only asked part of the reason I, two things I saw was that we had, um, there was this video on r slash BJJ, an old one of a, of a student that had come to a, a new school as a blue belt and the professor publicly demoted him, saying, "You weren't ready for this." Wow, that's pretty he, Well, that he, guy's a shithead. <laughs> no, 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 no. But apparently, he had <laughs> talked. He had talked about it off like beforehand with the guy, and he agreed, and he wanted to make it was like mm. some kind of lesson. No, I that's, thought it was that's messed an, up. That's no. an abuse of power, in my yeah. opinion. You let the he guy keep his blue belt, and then you just let him grow yeah. into it. Look, if you have a black belt instructor of a gym walk up to you as a blue belt, you're not going to have a one-to-one conversation. You're going to get told. Okay, and he he got told that he's not a blue belt. What is he going to argue with the black belt? That's an abuse of power. That's that's a bullshit move. I don't like things like that. I don't like when instructors overstep their bounds in that regard. And that's one of the problems that, that, again, the allure of this great thing that you've that you've received as a black belt sometimes corrupts your brain. It's almost like the Jedi way. You can go to the dark side of the, the, or the, we saw the 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 result of when you try and do that with a a black belt when like, it was like a few years ago, uh, Eddie Bravo's like first black belt, Denny Prokopos tried to, that was was that a few years away. ago? I thought that was this, I thought it was last year. Maybe I thought. Oh no, it was. It was I think it was a while ago. Like I remember it, was, it was like twenty seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember it was like two, three yeah. years ago. Um, I'm just and, old and the reaction was, me. you can't do that. The reaction was very strongly, no, you cannot do that. Everyone was jumping down and start. Eddie disassociated himself from him. Well, you know. So, um, you can kick that person out of your network. You can mm-hmm. say this person no longer represents. Oh, you don't have me to hang out because his character. You like. Because you, well, it's not even so much by hanging out. Like I, I'm of a firm opinion that that jujitsu changes you and changes you in so many more ways than just self defense. So when you become, when you get your black belt, you have your 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 life has changed and your your personality and all and, and you know, your shortcomings have changed so much. You've changed so much as a person that it's that it really is a a, a symbol of your uh, of your character, mm-hmm. right? So like it, it, as much as it is about skill, you, there has to be. And I know my our black belts like we there's that discussion like is this guy a scumbag? Is he got a piece of shit? Okay, no, he doesn't really deserve his black belt because he hasn't really learned enough to know what it means in that regard. So if someone does something shitty, and you can say no, fuck this guy. You know, he's disrespectful. He doesn't represent me anymore. I want nothing to do with him anymore. But you can't take his black belt away from him. 
He's still a black belt. He's always gonna be a fucking black belt. Yeah. In the same regard as this, one more. I, I don't mean I don't really talk too much. So this is another app. This is another aspect. We had we had, you know, we had another one of our black belts. He's a black belt now. That that you know, five or six years ago, he got his black belt from our head instructor, and he didn't believe that he was ready for his black belt. Oh, yeah. So he told him, no, I'm not going to take it. And my instructor told him this. He said, okay, it doesn't matter. You're a black belt. You can do what the hell you want to do. You're not a black belt because you think you're not ready to be a black belt. You're a black belt because I told you you're a black belt. So yeah. you yeah, can wear whatever you want to wear, but you're a black belt. That's right. That's essentially the converse uh, argument to sandbagging is that people who are sandbagging say this purple belt's won worlds three years in a row. Why the fuck isn't he a brown belt already? Right. That's that's not his choice. <laughs> not that's, choice. His, that's his instructor's choice. You don't right. think he wants to be a brown belt? Yeah, exactly. You don't think every night <laughs> yeah. when he won that third gold medal at purple belt, he doesn't say, hey, you know what, Dick, I really wish I could trade this in for my brown belt. Yeah. <laughs> so on either end of, of that argument, it comes down to the instructor opinion and that was always something that um i i used as an analogy too when i was coming up through the ranks was the, you know what the difference is between the day before you get fill in the blank belt say your purple belt the day before you get your purple belt and the moment after is one person's opinion that's a good one that really is I you're just, the same grappler it really is true it really is true like you you have probably been training at a brown belt level for a solid month or so yeah. two months before probably three months before we've already made up our mind okay cool we're probably going to give him his brown belt as long as he continues to train and you know mm -hmm. and when you when you talk about higher belts a lot of times it's 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 about actually being in the room that's what we talk about with purple belts like i don't care how good you are unless mm -hmm. i see your face you know twice a week for six months you're not getting your purple belt yeah you have sure. to show you have to show that you want it Mm -hmm. you have, yeah. and that's part of the character building same thing with the brown belt i don't care how good your skills are if you took if you if you hurt your knee and you took three months off and you haven't trained for three months in it's belt ceremony sorry dude you're not getting your brown belt you yeah know, and they the won't be surprised is. either no you know? and they shouldn't be no um jujitsu is very different in the way that uh merit uh is used for skill um Ac not even acquisition, but just uh, being proven by your professor that you're at this level. Um, I tell all my students that I'm promoting that it's a mixture between consistency and proficiency. And you can't have just one and expect the next promotion. You got to have both. Mm -hmm. um, some people get there with 60% uh, proficiency and 40% consistency. Other people, it's 80% consistency and 20% proficiency, but they'll end up getting to the same point on that path uh, by those two ingredients. That's a good analogy. I like that one a lot. And it's really true. And it's, it's the same reason why guys that are just kind of like weekend warriors, but put the time in get their brown belt when the kid is an athlete stud that should be a world champion that never comes to train is still a purple belt. Mm -hmm. It's because he's not coming to the gym and putting it. He's not showing me that he cares enough about the thing that I love more than anything in the world to come in and do what it takes to get it. And that's, 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 that's where it's at. Like jujitsu yeah. is like your, your criteria is different than my criteria. It's just the different everybody else's criteria. But if you take a brown belt, I take a brown belt and some other black belt in, in, in Albuquerque takes a black, a brown belt, puts them in the same room. They're all going to be brown belts. Mm -hmm. How much, how much of this importance that you see every, like, this is a big conversation. It's going to yeah. be had by millions all over the world, like forever. How much of like, it's very heated. There's a lot of passion behind what, what each belt means, like what the standards should be. How much of that, uh, 
fervor do you think comes from people's desire to keep jujitsu jujitsu and not, you know, what happened to Taekwondo and, and karate in America, you know, where it fractured and you're seeing belts that don't really hold up or mean much in the grand scheme of things. There's yeah. no real central system to it all. I think, um, yes and no. I don't think that there's a hard yes. That's why. Um, but that's definitely uh, a cautionary tale. So we can see pretty clearly historically how these other martial arts have been watered down. Um, usually it seems that the path is partly because they want to make money. Uh, you know, the more tests, the more they can charge your students. That's a real thing for sure. Um, you see, yeah, you see some of these Taekwondo schools with, uh, you know, they're driving these high end BMWs and it's not because their skill is so great. Um, and then the other part of that is probably the sportification. Um, a reason why jujitsu hasn't really had to worry about that as much as judo is because we haven't been in the Olympics for as long as they have. Same thing with Taekwondo. They got sportified bad. They got nerfed hard right, by the right, Olympics. Right. And say, even with, look at the difference between professional boxing and Olympic boxing. They get nerfed. That's a thing. So, um, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, so that, that's part of it that jujitsu hasn't had to worry about the sportification. And it hasn't had to worry about um, uh, the, the charging for all these different belts so much. But another part of it is it is just compared to most traditional martial arts, way more real. And by that, I mean, like when you spar, you can go 100% every time and, and learn something. It's, it's either a yes or a no, a one or a zero every time you roll. It's not like, well, I pulled my punch, but I could have not pulled my punch. Right. Like, that, that's not training. Right. It's binary. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's the one that's in that's we, we, we think a lot of lecture. That's uh, that was literally literally when when I stopped myself, that was from from interrupting you and allowed you to finish your fucking your, your thought. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. I'm a little bit off today. No, 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 but no, like good. I that's exactly what I was going to say. 100 percent. The, the, the thing that I always talk about when I talk about jujitsu, because I can, I teach private lessons all day long, bro. I am a professional freaking like, like, like motivational meme sometimes. You know what I mean? I spread the word like, like a yeah. soothsayer because that's just, it's partly because that's what I love, but I'm, I'm trying to convince clients, personal training clients that when I want to come take private lessons with me of the, the values of jujitsu. And the one thing that I tell them across the board more than anything what makes jiu-jitsu better than anything any other martial art in the world it's not because the techniques of jiu-jitsu are that much more superior they are they're pretty good but i think like sometimes the techniques of krav maga are far superior than some of the shit particularly when you're dealing with multiple attackers it's mm -hmm. sparring yes. when we do when we are training jiu-jitsu we can train at the absolute highest levels over and over and over again up until the actual death touch because we can just tap and start over again. Yeah. And there's no other martial art in the world that you can do that on an extended level over and over and over again. So when you think about jujitsu in the terms of like, you know, swallowing, you know, turning into a, like the, the, the Taekwondo philosophy, they get watered down. Like, I don't, I don't see it ever happening. I just don't mm -hmm. because of that fact. Yeah. Um, there's an interesting part to that. Uh, philosophy about the realism of it is not only is it so real that it can't be denied once you do it. It's like, look, you're, you're controlling another human against their best efforts 
and it works. So it right. works. Like there's no, there's no doubt once right. you've tried it, it's like, oh, this works. Um, but what's great about that, and this is something I always pitch the the new kids' parents that come in that want to try it, is like you could take your kid over to the karate dojo or you could take them over to the kickboxing academy and teach them a, a great way to learn self-defense to protect himself on the schoolyard. But what you're going to get here is a way to do the same thing without having to hospitalize another kid. 100%. You, the only option you have in all of the striking styles is to bludgeon your opponent unconscious or uh, unable to fight and we can do the same thing without ever having to hurt them right and i don't care i don't care how many times you practice to take a knife out of someone's hand until they're trying to kill you with that it's not going to be the same now it's not useless it's not going to be something that that doesn't benefit you because it may work but you're just not doing yourself a, a service unless you're training in real time and you just can't because if you if you fuck up you're dead yeah, you know, that's, that's, the second, that's, that's the deal breaker there. The second gym I ever trained at, it was, um, I had trained at a, a gym. I started training jujitsu the summer of my junior year, uh, sophomore year of college. And I, I was like a few months of really intense training with my, my friend Ed that I mentioned earlier. And I was really worried about losing that, that like the two things I retained as a white belt, you know, like, <laughs> oh man, I know how to shrimp. I'm not going to know how to shrimp anymore. Yeah. And so I found a local school that did uh, sport jujitsu. And I've talked about it. Kevin's heard me talk about this before. And they were about as – they were so far from what I needed, it's actually comical. I think I came away with negative information <laughs> because it's, it was – it's like when you think McDojo, it, that's like a meme at this point. But yeah. it, it was so – a mcdojo to the point where the guy like the the guy in charge had a doctorate in something that i'm sure wasn't oh, real he yeah. had a mustache he didn't like the fact that i brought in my jujitsu gi my first time because i'm like oh I, I asked if they do jujitsu here and they're like you need our gis and i'm like oh sorry you know mm -hmm. and I, I one of the drills they did for the competition class was they would just you would sit in front of someone and let them punch you in the forehead <laughs> yeah and you just had to like they would jab at you in the forehead and it's like mental toughness and i'm like oh, i'm not doing God. that no <laughs> i don't like that i don't like that plan yeah either. and then uh what to like to tap it all like to to top it all off my first day i ended up like asking a black one of their black belts to roll and thinking oh man like i really need to keep that that mentality of getting stomped you know and getting crushed you know because that's like that's really good for a white belt and he's like sure and I got him with a with a straight ankle lock, and he he tapped to it, and I'm like, <laughs> "Here's that one or zero. That was a zero. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm like, okay. Even when Ed was letting me work, he wouldn't just give me a submission. He would mm -hmm. like, he would he would. I felt like, and it was like in under a minute, and I was so confused. Mm -hmm. And then I, I whenever we did ground stuff because it was like mostly striking, but they would do some ground stuff. I would tap their black belts and I came, I was very terrified because I'm like, I, w I was never thinking I'm the shit. I'm thinking this is incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, should yeah. be happening. <laughs> I like, I, I got a, a black belt in an arm bar and he stopped me and told me I wasn't doing it right. And I'm like, 
this is one of those two things I know. I'm pretty sure I'm doing it right. And he this, said, no, this you just should... tells me that you're you're not going to make a good cult member. Yeah, you and then I'm it. like, I started... you're not drinking the Kool Aid, bro. Yeah, yeah no. And then like Take they start, they would hold us uh, afterwards to do like the the main guy would give sermons on responsibility and ethics, and I'm like, this is like I feel like, and everyone else is standing in rows, and I'm just like. Has anyone breathed for like the last few minutes? Like, I don't think anyone's blinked. Uh, and so I told Ed, I called him up. And I'm like, hey, Ed, I'm going to tell you about the school I was training at. And he's like, get out. Get you out. need to get out now. Yeah. Like, you need, you're going to, you're going to, they're going to mess with your brain and you're never going to like this sport at all. Like, mm. you'll, you'll, they'll ruin it for you. I think that's the biggest concern. Cause I, I mean, I hear, I hear the old jujitsu heads, the old Brazilians, and a lot of it's because they don't want to lose their fucking hold on the stranglehold on the jujitsu world. Like I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I love, I, I know a lot of Brazilians and it's, it's, you can see that. I think we're coming away from that, but I still think there are yeah. some old dudes out there that feel like that real jujitsu is only from Brazil. And if you're not learning it from one of these guys, you're just not learning jujitsu anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, I guess there are certain ideals of that that will hold true. You know, I, I could see that. I can understand that on a that's on a, not on a why they're type saying level, it, but, though. But that's not why they're saying it. it's because they don't want to lose their hold on things. I mean, it's, it's so. undeniable that like there are some American jiu-jitsu practitioners that you know at this point have been doing jiu-jitsu for twenty plus years that have just as much an understanding of the intricacies of the sport, maybe even a little bit more so than some of the old dinosaurs do, because we're living in the modern era of jiu-jitsu than those guys do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I there's agree. too many. There's too many black belts now. Like there's too many <laughs> legitimate black belts around. That, too like, many I know, black belts. I, well, I mean, I, I know there's. I mean, I <laughs> know like, call them. No, but I mean, <laughs> I know it. there's like ten jujitsu black belts right now that could open up an amazing jujitsu academy in this mm-hmm. area for us to have to worry about like people imitating the art and opening up like inferior jujitsu places because people that are real at jujitsu are going to look at it and be like, uh, no, that's not really jujitsu. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, it's a karate school. That's got some dude. It's a blue belt. That's that's his jujitsu. The black belts now. are all condensed in specific area. I'm like, like I went to school in upstate New York and I had to, after I left this place, I had to drive an hour and 30 minutes to Buffalo to do oh, wow. jujitsu once a week mm-hmm. at this, like, at this gym uh, that uh, was a, it's a cyborg school. Oh, hang on one second. Fight sport. Uh, um, I think so. It's B- Buffalo United Martial Arts. It was uh, it's run by a guy named Josh Ketry. Amazing oh, I know guy. Josh. Yeah, yeah. Like it's right up by uh, by the by the border there. So I, I mm-hmm. assume so. And Are you near he, Buffalo from? Uh, from no, I'm uh, not. I just know him as a tournament promoter. I promote tournaments as well. So we oh, talk cool. back and forth. Plus, uh, he's a hell of a nature photographer. He's he is a and everybody go follow Josh Ketry on uh, Instagram and uh, uh, Facebook if it, it's public because he has amazing photo. Like he like mm-hmm. chased down this albino deer once like uh, a year ago, and he just got amazing shots. But yeah, and like the the vibe there was was exactly what I needed because everyone first day kicked my ass, mm-hmm. and I'm like, thank God. I like I went zero and like five for sparring <laughs> that first day, and I'm like, th- like everyone's like, Are you okay? I'm like, yes, thank you. This is right. The world makes sense now. Yeah, because like I wasn't getting anything off, and like 
I, I realized, oh, thank God, like there is, I'm, I'm back to normal. Like I'm, I'm safe again. <laughs> there's, there's something I want to touch on. Uh, two different things actually that came up while you were talking in my head. Oh, so I want to, no, 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 no. It's okay. You, you sort of led me down this path. So I want to say them both before I forget one or both of them, because <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, brains and stuff. Um, <laughs> the one is going to be about uh, my area when I started, as far as jujitsu is concerned, and the next one is going to be when I started my own gym and and some of the stuff you're talking about there. So when I started jujitsu was 2007 in Alberta. There were exactly two black belts in the entire province. One, two, both of them. That's all. Now 2020, there are over 200. So. I kind of existed in a point that was watching the entire birth of the art in this area because it went from like wild west to now we've got world champions, right. which is, is really interesting to see. Cause it's really only in that 15 year window that you really got to see that. And when, now when people did you start, start training. When did you start training, Drew? Uh, 2007. Okay, yeah. So I'm 13 years in. Yeah, you've been training for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And, um, if people were to start and people start now, uh, they don't see that, right? They no. just see what it is now. They see that, oh, there's black belts everywhere, everywhere right. has a black belt. This is what jujitsu is. It's like, man, you weren't around when when I was coming up. I started like, in like 2009 or 10, I forget. But I can remember that time too where it was like, mm. yeah, I mean, like if you saw a purple belt, it was like, oh yeah. my God, that's like, that's like Jesus walking God, around. when I got my purple belt, I walked around. The first tournament I went to, I walked around and was looking for the other purple belts because yeah, right. I felt so yes. out of place. Right, I'm like, right. is everybody staring at me? I mean, we've got, I think you we've see got a guy with a purple belt just holding it up, looking around like, yeah. Hey, I'm always <laughs> even. I'm always even more intrigued when we talk to someone that's been training for you know since the '90s because I always think that's that's when shit was real. The Wild mm. West. That's when you didn't have YouTube. When you just yeah, that, that's you didn't when even you get dojo stormed yeah. by the karate masters. One hundred percent. That and literally like. You, when you had, uh, we had, uh, I, I interviewed Silver Fox one time. Mm -hmm. He's really, he's really cool. And he's been around forever. He's one of uh, Henzo's first black belts, original yeah. black belts. So he trained in, in New York City at the Academy of New York City back in the 90s. And he would say that, you know, it was a different world back then because oh, yeah. martial arts was martial, the, the, the martial arts world was still in full effect. Like you had mm -hmm. freaking like no ninja school. Shit, and you yeah, had, you well, know, you're coming out of the sport, 70s right. and 80s where it was right. all just magic, right? right. And, and until the 90s, when that crucible happened at UFC one, where you got to discover like what is bullshit and what is not, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. It was yeah. all up in the air. Well, you still have these guys that, that legitimately think, you know, and they're still pretty bad dudes. Like, if, if you fought oh, a sure. karate black belt and you didn't know, shit, you know, what I mean, you, you guy could put his hand through a damn brick, I, you know what my, I mean? He hit you in the face, he's my, gonna fuck my you buddy, up. My buddy Tristan is uh, like. One of those kids who's both of his parents were big into martial arts, like legit. Um, and he grew up training Taekwondo, uh, uh, Kyokushin karate. Yeah. That's real and, shit there. Yeah. And like, I'm like, he showed me, I'm like, uh, I, I met him because he was kicking a bag. He, it might've been, he might've been Shotokan. It was either Kyokushin or Shotokan. Either way, mm -hmm. like real legit stuff there. And he found out I was a jujitsu jiu guy and we were just shooting the shit and we ended up uh, training together just because he wanted to learn more about it. And I'm like, hey, man, like, so so what kept you in karate? And he's like, well, honestly, like it was my, I had one of those legit instructors, you know, that it was mm -hmm. like it was real. You know, he was he was hurting. He was one doing the tournament scene and he showed me tournaments where there were no headshots so guys were just doing body blows but you could also kick in the head so like sometimes a guy would just fly and kick another guy in the head yeah and i'm like oh, okay okay 
Yeah, I mean, okay. nothing's nothing's worthless. I mean, not nothing you do in in in, in any martial arts is worth it. There's a there's a great uh, there's a great uh, like YouTube clip about that from Lloyd Irving, and when Lloyd Irving, we could actually talk about Lloyd Irving without, <laughs> without having to stigma. Talk about it. OJ, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like talking about OJ, but like he he had this little like 10, 12 minute clip when he he talked about how he his house got robbed and he had to disarm some guy a gun from some guy's hand. It was a whole thing, but he went down the list of 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 martial arts he's trained and he, and he made a very interesting point and he said that there is no martial art that's worthless yeah. every martial art is geared and created for what it was intended for and he talked mm-hmm. one of the one of the examples he made was you know when you see these guys that are doing these insane like kicks in the air with multiple kicks and all stuff like that and you think to yourself like what's the practicality of that he would say well okay well the practicality of that was when you lived in feudal japan or feudal taiwan and you had to you you were just some peasant and you had to protect yourself against a mounted attacker that was sure. in the royal army you had to kick in the air to get them off their damn horse so that's yeah. where it came from and now throughout time it has gotten to the point where maybe it's not as you know applicable to everyday life sure but. sure if you go into the history of it uh jujitsu which originally in japan was uh jujutsu right. uh, before judo it was part of budo which was considered their warrior style which involved fighting with a sword fighting with a short sword fighting from a horse fighting with a bow and arrow all of that was different aspects of budo and jujutsu was when you what you do when you have none of those things, when you're unarmed right. on the battlefield, now you have to rely on your jujutsu. Right. Um, so nowadays it's all been broken down because we don't use swords, we don't use horses, we don't use spears. So it's more common if you got in an altercation to be one-on-one with uh, an unarmed opponent. And really in that scenario, jujitsu is king one-on-one with an unarmed opponent. Like you can't hope for a better thing no. to defend yourself with. No. Um, to, to circle back to when I started my gym, just to, to clear up what I was yeah, thinking you about with two, your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Things. I know we're going all over, but this is good. <laughs> I love all this, shit. this really plays to my ADD, so I appreciate oh, yeah, it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of recovering from a concussion recently, too. Oh, so I'm, I'm a little more. I apologize. I'm a little more scatterbrained. Mm-hmm. I've been cutting you off. Usually, I'm a much nicer person. And, and oh, it's okay. We're funny. I don't feel like I'm very funny today, but I love. You. <laughs> You're the alligator yes. king. It's okay. I'm the alligator king. I was just going to run with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I first started my school, um, like I knew how to be a good student and I knew how to teach things, but there's something different when it becomes to when it comes to being the uh, the head of a growing body of students. And the thing that I kind of had to figure out was when I started, I was pretty um, like we did a lot of sparring. A lot of sparring, especially for new people, a lot of right. sparring. And the one thing that people are most concerned about when they're starting it is the sparring. So we would, I feel like at the at the beginning, there was an attrition of new students that maybe we could have held. Maybe we could have held on if we only let them roll one or two rounds per class, but they were rolling 45 minutes per class. <laughs> Yeah, every class, and you can it's do that. Funny you say that. I, yeah. I say that a lot too. Like I, when <laughs> when we were coming up, there was no intro program. It was mm-hmm. you know, it was, and and you lost a lot of students, which is something that modern academies are realizing. If you take your time, yeah. and, you, and you ease these guys in a little bit, you have more retention, and then eventually, like there's a big misconception that you can't teach toughness, and I, I, you can if you kind of wean people into it. Mm-hmm. But that's the way it used to be. Like you didn't have a fucking intro class. Like when I was For coming sure. up, you just came in, and luckily, like it was it was kind of a Spartan mentality. Like if you 
you were if you mm-hmm. were strong enough, you just didn't last. And you know, jujitsu wasn't for everybody. Was yeah. Was well, this this was the modality that I was I was trying to build my own club on. But the thing is, when you start, is you don't know if it's right or not. Because I had never done this before. I didn't know if this was maybe I'm being too hard on these new guys. Maybe I need a, a beginner class for them because they're they're getting they're dropping out injured and they're not they're not coming back because they didn't have a good time. They're not going to have a good time for a while, right? But it was also a new enough club that there weren't a lot of higher belts. Right. So it's like a lot of white belt on white belt violence. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not coming you to roll with it. You're yeah, coming I, to fight. <laughs> I was I was I was scheduled up in my, my my gym up here and before all the COVID happened and then literally like I was upset that it got pushed back and now I'm like thanking the the, the gods that it that I didn't you know what I mean that yeah. that it didn't materialize before all this happened. But that was something that I was thinking about in my mind is like, wow, you know, it's just the way it has to be. Like in the beginning days when you first start now, you just you just have to let it slide. And if you've got this ridiculously athletic guy or the dude that weighs fucking 200 pounds and, and two chicks like, hey, man, you got because you're not going to progress at jujitsu unless you are training. That's all yes. there is to it. And you yeah. have to make people understand that and kind of feed them into that equation. I guess the lesson that I learned from that, from that uncertainty, am I doing the right thing? Should I change this? Am I going to lose my business? Because there's a lot of people that are starting this. They're like, man, I just got to make the bills. And I'm, I'm pushing clients out the door that could be paying me 150 bucks a month. And I got bills coming the next month and I'm in the red still because I just opened this place up. I'm 30 grand in the hole or whatever it took to start this thing up. Um, It's easy to fall into that. And I I can't really blame a guy depending on his overhead for, you know, wanting to retain tension over over um uh proficiency but i can tell you now at least um i'm two years into it now and it took me about a year and a half before i started seeing a competition team that would go to competitions and clean up and that's something that i would not have had if i was doing the the easy everybody can do it root of jujitsu um, and and the benefit of that for the school is that now we've got people that are highly proficient, have high levels of cardio because they're training 45 minutes to an hour every class of hard sparring. Um, and the people who stuck around through that are just the best human beings. They're the ones that love jujitsu the most. And now that there's that base level of these blue and purple belts that can really um, welcome in these new white belts and roll with them at their level, but for long, right? It's so before, a standard of excellence for them to attain for it. Exactly, exactly. I'm more comfortable putting a new brand new crispy white belt with my blue or purple belt than I am with another brand new crispy white belt because yeah. those those were the early days when it's like there just aren't enough good people here to give you good rounds and you're going to be fighting tooth and nail with these guys and I don't blame you for leaving but now we've got that base it's so much more comfortable to come in here still get real training but not have to like get burned alive every class you know yeah I I, I think there's definitely a way that you can do both and I, I think there's definitely a way that you can maintain the integrity of the product you're putting out as well as cater to to allowing for guys to kind of like inch their way through things you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and just be mindful of things but in the beginning you got to do what you got to do in the beginning there's no yeah. you, you got to roll <laughs> there's nothing we can do we i was actually to, you know? specifically on those early days did you ever have the problem where like white belts would show up with like a great attitude but they were also athletic to the point of causing problems for like other students like the power like the power dynamics all sort of went out of whack oh yeah oh yeah you got to realize that a white belt is isn't really a thing 
Okay, a white belt is just somebody who doesn't know jujitsu. They can oh, be coming in with right. all sorts of attributes, you 100%. know. When, when you see a blue, yeah, when you see a blue belt come in, you know what that thing right. is. Yeah. A, a white, white belt, you don't know anything. Nothing about this guy. What is that thing? Yeah, exactly. It's it's interesting because on on the progression of the five belts, white, blue, purple, brown, black, white belt and black belt are the two deepest pools. Everything in between there is very obvious what it is. Like we were talking about before, you can roll with them and you know. No. but so white funny. belt is just you know what the hell infinite do. yeah it's an infinite <laughs> yeah, yeah, spectrum you have someone I that really... doesn't know how to walk to somebody who's like a, a varsity That's level so athlete funny. every I time only, i've I... ever rolled with a white belt i've always been that much more aware of everything else because it's oh, yeah. like okay I, there's no way to decipher this guy's tendencies now i've rolled with enough white belts to kind of understand what their broken naive minds will do you know you know what i yeah. mean when given yeah. this this and this but you still don't know they may do a double back flip flip and come down with a with an elbow on your rib cage if you're not yeah. ready for it you know you know what it is that i'm this is reality with flesh in them for some reason i'm only asking because i weirdly enough even though i shouldn't i have experience with that specific problem and that's mm-hmm. because i was going to buma once a week it was an hour or and a half drive there and back so three hours round trip every saturday it wasn't uh, those guys were great, but I wanted more jujitsu during the week. So me and I was training Tristan and he was starting to give me problems just because he is a cerebral like maniac. Like he's the guy that that watches uh, Manny Pacquiao footage on repeat just over and over mm. again because he's he's super he loves. Yeah, he is a like he his favorite part of Power Rangers was when they were just normal people doing karate tournaments and he hated when they pulled their swords out. He's like he turned it off. He's like, oh, they're getting in the robot. Dumb. I wanted to see how the karate tournament went at Angel Grove. That's funny. Tristan, I love you, but come on, man. Uh, And so but he's like, I've got some buddies that would be really interested in this. And it was the guys I had known them and I was going to be living with all of them next year. And I'm like, okay. The problem being all the people he brought to the practice were competition level power lifters. <laughs> and yeah. I am not in very good shape at this point. Like yeah. I'm actually pretty flabby. You pictures of after afterwards, everyone looks pretty okay. And I'm a gassed 180 pound guy. That's like, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, so I'm, I'm winning, but it's only by the skin of my teeth. Like I have to roll with them. And then when I teach them stuff and I, they, they roll together, I I'm terrified. Cause they're, they're so strong and intense and they're good. I yeah. feel like they're going to, I'm like, Hey guys, let's, Let's cheat. Let's well, do technique, not strength. Technique, not strength. You know what the constant knock on jujitsu is? Is that um, nobody focuses on self defense anymore, right? It's all just grappling grapplers for the sake of grappling. Your self defense rounds are the new guys. Right. Okay. Really when you get a new guy in there, true. you're That's you're true. defending yourself yeah. because they yeah, have no true. idea what to do and they're just coming at you with aggression yeah. and instinct. Right. That's yeah. what, and look, this is what I say when people are like, Well, it's not gonna work on the streets out there, bro. It's not like that. I'm like, buddy, you are those people out there are the new guy. They just don't have the gi on. So you're gonna be fine. And they're gonna be they're gonna die in 15 seconds. Yeah, exactly. I want to clarify that these guys were we're not dude bros. They were just like, and they really wanted to learn. They were like the best students, like all of them, all mm. my guys out there. If you're seeing this, I love you, Dev. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> but they were just too strong for me. 
Like, yeah, I'm sure. like, if I was a black belt and I could just play with them, mm-hmm. but I'm a blue belt that like my biggest accomplishment is a silver medal at a sub only as a white belt. And so I'm like, fuck, but yeah. I'm every day I'm having to FaceTime Ed. Ed, I'm lost out here. Can you come up for like a day? I'll like, yeah. I'll give you 50 bucks if you come up here. That's one but, of the fun things when you're starting out of school too, as the black belt or the higher belt is you're immediately the enforcer, right? right? Cause you're, you the, don't, you're you, the nuclear option. You're the sure. button. <laughs> well, yeah. You're you're the kind of like with you. yeah. You're you're the the metal detector they have to pass through before they're allowed right. in, right? right. So you've got to kind of disarm them sometimes because every time we even when you're not in the mood and you've got yeah. the freaking dude from out of town, you know that, that, Buddy, that, that man. Wants, you got you got to be like, God damn it, yeah. This guy's I'm, this guy. I have to make him know that this is legit. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? So oh, I have for to sure. go out and, it, and it's going to be a bitch because it's a big sweaty fucking it's, like roofer or some shit. You know? Yeah, it's exactly what we were talking about. When you tie that belt on, you're tying on responsibility right. and you're right. responsible for, for portraying what is this art to them that right. doesn't know, right? So right. if you don't uh, put out a good... F- forward faced you're you're representing the art right so it it is like a mantle that you've got to hold every time you do it and that's all well and good if if you're doing it now and then but when you're starting out you don't have any co-instructors you're teaching 17 classes a week and you're having new guys coming in every like 10 out of those 17 and having to prove yourself against a 250 pound roofer right man my back got hyper fucked in about two months because you got to do it you got to do it even when because you don't even have like you don't even have like a decent purple belt you know what no, I'm talking about these no. you can throw at them or even like a freaking like a big athletic blue belt or something like yeah, that. It's yeah. gotta be you. It's gotta be your ass every freaking day, even even when you're not in the mood. That being said, it is a uh, a certain joy in life that you can't really <laughs> oh, yeah. you can't really express until you can right. experience yourself to be that huckleberry, yeah, yeah. to be the guy that yeah. they throw the big bowling ball human against <laughs> right, and he right. bounces. Yeah, and you just like you just get up after your chair. And you're like, God damn it, dude! You're like, just you, like, like for a while, you're you're. Why can't you just believe me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's what? why you're back on hyperextended. You're back I, is holding up the world. I work, yeah. I work in uh, I work in the bar. I bartend too, and I work as and I bartend at kind of like a dive bar in downtown Tampa. So like mm-hmm. I I'm also the bartender slash bouncer and shit. Oh, and sure. like I come across this all the time, and it, it it's just like I just look at people and I'm like, bro, like I mean I'm a big I'm a big dude too, man. I'm about two ten. I got cauliflower and my shaved my beard, but I had a big old bushy beard. So I mean I don't look I don't look like you're freaking like you're, you're typical. I mean I, I I look like a bad dude. You know what I'm talking about? So yeah. like. I look at these dudes when they get loud and lifted with me and I'm just I'm like begging them almost. I'm like, man, like what part of what I'm presenting to you makes you think <laughs> you're going to have any chance in hell at defending yourself in this situation? Yeah, like, I, mean, I mean, like I don't want to do it, but I'm going to have to do it. Please Kevin, like, just, just leave and do Kevin, the right thing. For, for Halloween last year, you dressed up as, and I, I hope Drew gets this reference. None of our other guests probably would, but you dressed up as the toughest guy in Letterkenny. <laughs> I did. I did. Oh, so, nice. It was, it was a shit attempt. I didn't do a very good he, job of it. He I had the posture right. He should have the posture yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> working on the farm the other day. Yeah, working on the farm the other day. But yeah, man. I, one, one last piece I wanted to add to that about about being the, the guy in charge and in the unfortunate circumstances of having a class full of wipeouts is that you're you're also responsible for like as much as you have to let them go out there and 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 throw them to the wolves. You're also now responsible for kind of like giving them a, a lending area say hey man you know like don't worry about it like you're gonna get through this this is tough yeah. or maybe even sometimes if you do have the big irresponsible guy that's not 
you know, that's going a little bit too hard or, or, or hurting people and not necessarily because he's a dick, but because he just doesn't realize, or maybe he's just a dick. You're the one that has to regulate that. You're the one that has to be like, Hey, Tony, calm down a little bit. Or, you know, Hey, Cindy, come here, you know, roll with me this time. You know, so it's you, there's ways of doing these things to, 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 mm-hmm. to still put the product out there because if you're not rolling, you're not doing jujitsu. That's just for sure. Fact. Yeah. And I'm glad that I didn't change what I was doing for that reason. It was a long play, which yeah. like it was painful in those first six to eight months, yeah. uh, being the guy who's carrying the weight of the world, being the guy who, um, you know, isn't sure if he's losing more students than he's gaining. But if you can manage to weather that storm at the beginning, like there's a saying that says your tribe or your, your vibe attracts your tribe. Right. So if you don't change that vibe, you're going to, yeah, there's going to be attrition of people that don't fit that vibe, but the ones that stick around, you're going to have a core group of people that really will build the, the product that you want to build. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, that's what it is, man. Like when you, 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 you schools, they become representations of their, their instructor. And like, it's, mm-hmm. it's fun that the, the law we had, who, who do we have talking about that? It was such an amazing thing. Bruno Bossa. So we had him on the show last time. Nice. was talking about that philosophy about how jujitsu is almost like a living organism. Because like, yeah. if we, if we were to both take Kev and show him an arm bar, like a mounted arm bar, right? I'm going to show him this, probably the same damn arm bar that you're going to show him. Right. But there are going to be different nuanced approaches and different things that you emphasize along the road of getting to, 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 to getting to that arm bar that I will. So in reality, like jujitsu kind of has a life of its own. So like when yeah. you take uh, an academy and like you know say you have a particular game like you i don't know what your game is but you play deep half guard and 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 you do a freaking you know a knee slice pass and you love guillotines you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. so like those are things that like you're probably going to emphasize a lot in your coaching you know subconsciously just because those are things that you're go-to's and that's going to be your technique now throughout the course of a jiu-jitsu time like and it's not going to be from any reason other than the fact that guys just pay attention like some purple belt for some unknown reason is going to play spider guard. You know what I mean? And, and, and have a freaking, uh, a, 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 like a, the stack pass or something like that, that he's good at. And it's not, it's just because they are starting to grow and they have started to emphasize those other technical aspects into their game that, that make them their own person. Now you mm-hmm. still have the same kind of philosophical approach, but you know, it, it grows of itself, which is a beautiful thing about you. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I feel like um, white and blue belt are really the foundations of jujitsu that shouldn't really be that different from gym to gym. At purple belt, it really diverges. So if you think about a tree, like the trunk goes straight up for a while, but then it breaks into different branches in different directions. Which of those branches is going the wrong way? None of them are going the wrong way. They all are doing the right thing, just in different directions. They have that foundation holding them up, and they're now uh, able to to search out that light, search out that path that works best for them. And they're going to find it depending on their mentality, depending on their body type, depending on their athleticism, depending on their flexibility. And they will naturally find the techniques that work for them on the grounds of that base that you built them. Yeah, purple ball is when you kind of hit that adolescent phase where you're just like you're breaking away from mom and dad, and you're and you're and you're kind of discovering your own way in life. You're not really ready to go out into the yeah. real world yet, but you're but you're kind of getting to that point to where you can really start making your own decisions and building your own games, and not just looking at what coach is saying and mimicking it, but really understanding why it works and trying to build that into your own 
Yeah. Your own game, M- man. Miguel, uh, uh, one of Tom DeBlas's, uh black belts and uh, a really a really solid dude here in Jersey, uh, Miguel Benitez. Uh, I was interviewing him for one of my first stories with the Jiu-Jitsu Times, and he referred to Purple Belt as when the Spartan, like, you know that that myth, I don't know if it's, it was true, but the, the myth of the Spartans sending out their young boys into the, the woods, and, and when they came out, like if they came out alive, they were men. That's a good. Uh, that's a good. Belt, actually, if you have a purple yeah, belt, yeah. you came out the woods. Yeah, you, when, yeah. when you when you get your purple belt, I always tell my students or, or or teammates of mine, when you get your purple belt, I said that's that's to my opinion the second most uh, the second biggest achievement in all of jujitsu. First of all, is your black belt, obviously. But like, I feel like mm-hmm. when you get your purple belt. If you never did jujitsu again, you could say that you know how to do jujitsu when you're a purple belt. Yeah. Um, That being said, like, I think that the attrition rate between purple and black is one of the smallest. Right. Um, I I remember Keith Owen talking about this one time saying that if you can just make it to purple, you'll make it to black. You're going to get your black belt. Exactly. Because you, Mm -hmm. because you understand the commitment that it took to get that purple belt. And yeah. the biggest one of this is one of the things that, that I, I hear about that a lot when you talk about blue belts is that like the, when you hit your purple belt, you also understand the fact that you're going to hit plateaus because when, when you're a white belt, everything's going up because you ain't there's only there's only there's only room for improvement yeah. because everything is just about like learning what the hell is going on. OK, I'm not going to die. Maybe I got to pass. <laughs> maybe I got to sleep. But you know what? I made it five minutes and I didn't get crushed. And then when you get your purple belt, like you are your brown, or your blue belt, you're kind of like, cool, man, I got my blue belt. But then there's that period of like, wow, man, like I don't feel like I'm getting any better. And I've kind of plateaued here. And like this sucks, man, because it's not just – it's not a fun day every day. It's not an every day it's improving because like when you're a white belt, every day is an improvement because every day you're getting your ass kicked. And one day you're like, oh, fuck, sweet, I'm not getting my ass kicked anymore. But when you're a blue belt, you have that kind of like level off. And a lot of people – take that and say, well, this just isn't for me because I can't, you know, I can't snap out of this. Like, you know, Tom is better than me. And you know, I used to tap him. Now he's tapping me and they don't get that. But what you don't realize is like, dude, like I'm a fucking black belt. I mean, I've been a black belt for three years. I still have plateaus. I still have times when I come to the gym for weeks and weeks at a time, months at a time where I think, fuck dude, like this is just weird. Like, I, you know what I mean? My yeah. game would kind of sucks today. I don't feel like I'm getting any better. But then you all, what, what happens is you have those epiphanal moments or you fucking the things start to kind of like clarify and you remember, oh yeah, it's because this shit is a slow learning curve. You're mm-hmm. not gonna see it mm-hmm. day by day. You're gonna see improvements month by month. Do you, guys, do you guys remember being a white belt and knowing there was like a blue belt that was within your grasp? And like whenever you guys rolled with them, you would just absolutely lose part of your mind <laughs> i re- i remember thinking that like the first time when i'm like the first time i ever even entertained the possibility that i could beat a blue belt mm. and it w- it definitely made me work harder i'm not gonna say i went crazy but it definitely gave me a goal i i don't think i had that experience personally because like what we were talking about before the wild west thing i was the first blue belt that my instructor yeah, had but, uh... so so you're, like you're I was like going to other stuff. gyms. Yeah. I'd go into other <laughs> gyms and tried to beat their blue belts to be like, yeah, I'm at that level kind of thing. But in my own gym, I, I was the one with the target on my back for the most right. part. Oh, which, wow. Yeah. It's again, it was just, there was, there wasn't a whole lot around. Like when I started, there was only one, no, two gi jiu-jitsu schools in town. And I had to look them up in the yellow pages. 
So <laughs> that tells my, you, uh, yeah, like when that was. And, my jujitsu privilege is showing. Crazy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's funny. That was before the days of Instagram, too. When you had, dude, to, like, it wasn't even like maybe we had YouTube, but God, man, YouTube was crazy. new. When YouTube was a new thing, right? It was new. Starting out, right? I, starting out. Like the year, I think two years, either the year before or the two years before I started jujitsu, somebody told me about YouTube and I had to ask him what it was and how to right. spell it. Right. <laughs> and if, if you want to think about it even another level, think about it in the 90s mm. when you didn't even have that. You had yeah. like VHS cassettes and you had to like yep. fly to like, told my, my, my black belt, my, my head instructor, Rob Kahn got his black belt from Hoist and he used to have to mm. fly like back in the 90s and he has to have to fly from, from New York to torrents then he'd spend like a week at the torrents academy yeah. and like trend and they'd go back and like what you learned was what you went back and you taught at your school until maybe you had some black belt that would come and teach a seminar <laughs> and you went and took that seminar and the whole time like you were teaching at this jujitsu academy you had like you know dudes that were doing like kung fu that were coming to your gym they mm -hmm. were like hey what's this bullshit i heard you guys do this i'm gonna come in here but real i'm really coming in here for not to learn jujitsu it's because i want to kick your ass to show you this stuff at work you know and that was the way shit went back then it wasn't yeah. just like joe blow hey let's take jujitsu there was like fucking like real martial arts dudes that would come to your gym to try to cross train and by cross training it was just like hey i'm gonna just come in here and fucking yeah i'm gonna learn a little bit what i really want to do is just show you that i'm a master of my technique so i can i can kick your ass it was like brutal brutal shit back then. yeah well wouldn't that make it much more sense why these old brazilian guys um had that uh that moniker of this is proper jujitsu right so if you're that guy that has to fly down to torrents a couple times a year just to try to get one stripe on your belt and it takes you seven years to get from purple belt to brown belt are right. you going to go down there and do something that they're not doing are you right. going to try to innovate that's right. not even on your plate there's right. no way that you're not going to do exactly what they're doing and because what they say is the gospel because i want that black belt and this is the only way to get it right. whereas nowadays you've got like you're saying so many black belts in any given city where they could open up a gym they've got their own styles they've got their own way of doing it um and you're not really set to that a to b to c to d kind of um linear progression you've you've once you've built that foundation what we're talking about there's so many different directions you can go and you can just go online and find it nowadays you can go and like learn from john donaher you can go Gosh, online and learn from buchecha you can not, not only can you just find some tidbit of information you could literally find anything you want to know yeah. and find it from the absolute best minds of jiu-jitsu possible and have I, like multiple multiple like uh case studies for it. i really feel like these days right now is the renaissance of brazilian jiu-jitsu especially for north america i'm yeah, sure that brazil kind of experienced this in their own way back yeah. uh, maybe in the 50s 60s 70s but right. uh really like the internet is the big game changer right now like and being able to share and diverge different ideas in real time across the world from here to japan in the same day that was never possible well, you know? I think that I think that Brazil had their renaissance, but I think it was more of a valley to oriented renaissance. Like jujitsu yes. was the king of the world, not because people loved jujitsu, but because jujitsu was winning. In yeah, you're right. It was no a different renaissance. Element. It was a different renaissance. Like mm -hmm. what we're experiencing in America, I think, is a true renaissance of just jujitsu. Like there are people out there that just do jujitsu, that love and appreciate the art of jujitsu for what it is in the kind of in the in the com competition com competitive side high level competitive side yeah well you know what is strange though is because i i think that this is the renaissance
Renaissance period right now, you're getting that that headbutting between the old school and the modern. And the, the argument is raging and, and everybody's in the comment section trying to figure out what's right. Should we do what Hickson is doing because Hickson scissor? Or should we be trying to learn Wormguard because Keenan's the next thing in that that department you Keenan know and specifically like have made that comment saying that like if hickson was a, like competing and young now he would be like a purple belt you know, know. i'm, I'm paraphrasing but that's i understand the merit and i understand the thought process behind it I, you know what i'm talking i'm not trying to say keenan's a mm -hmm. dickhead but I, I get where he's coming from as far as like the game his his uh, his his you know advanced it always so grows. far but you can't say that man you can't say that Hicks no no but it just doesn't make any sense it, it's it's comparing apples to oranges right, there's no there's no world, reason yeah. to do that because yeah. nowadays like we're saying the the innovators are out there and they're getting the word out and the the community as a whole or at least large portions of it worldwide are are fire testing this shit every day Okay, so they're they're helping to mold this as a community it's kind of like a hive mind in a way like for example um i've only done one uh, pay to play series so far. I've done one called the uh, reverse Kimura from close guard. So this is a grip that I would, I had been um, using and innovating off for about a year prior to me putting out this series on it. Um, people, this is, this is not just a shameless plug for my series, but definitely go buy it. People get so fiery. People get so fiery about this topic because either a, this is something that they know and they hate, which they don't. If you actually watch the series, you'll realize I'm doing things with it that haven't been done yet. At least nobody has done it that I've ever heard of. Um, and B, you're going to get people that are, that are going to be like, um, this is, you shouldn't be innovating on stuff. You're not a, a world-class black belt. If you can't be tapping Buchecha on this, there's no validity to it. You know, it's like, <laughs> they don't understand. It's so, it's, it's one shit, thing dude. or the other, you know? And But shit, the people, dude. the people that, that check it out and realize what it is. And what it is, is it's a seed that I'm trying to implant into their game that they can grow out and see how it works for them. I've right. shown you how it works for me. Right. Sure, I'm not going to be able to hit this on Puchecha. I could give a fuck. That's not right, what it's about. Right. This is about the art. Right, yeah, exactly. this this is right. this is my art that I've painted right. on the canvas that right. I'd like to present to you to add to yours. That, by that, the way, that, I spent the last 13 years of my life cultivating. So. That you, you yeah. saw a similar right. thing with like the ten, like the old Tenth Planet forums. Very much just, the same they would thing. Throw out like mm -hmm. when Nate was on. He he talked about how like the Dead Orchard came to be, mm -hmm. and he said that it was like him and his buddies like he had seen it in an old ufc one time but it was like an unknown like unnamed thing and he like he gave credit where credit is due he's not claiming to mm -hmm. have invented it but he he saw how it could be incorporated with mission control and mm -hmm. him and everybody else started like brainstorming and he was hitting it more than other people like it was his signature and then eddie came up with the name and he's like so it was this wonderful like trickle down collaboration. Of knowledge. Yeah. it was a, it was a group effort and he's very much like uh, everyone was gracious enough to like give my pin my name to it but like yeah you know this I, is what i'm, I'm trying to do with mine i'm trying yeah. to present it to the community for them to help evolve it because there's so much possibility it's a it's a fucking grip if you can't figure out how to use a grip in different situations or something wrong with your jujitsu let's call it let's call it the weather dead i i have <laughs> a, i have a phrase and i have a, a, something that i like to say in that regard and i like to say I, I never knock a man's hustle so i don't care <laughs> like like there are there are lots of people that may have less knowledge or less less do how or less know how than i do 
but they go out there and they hustle their asses off and they they profit off of that. And I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I can shake my fist in the air and I can be angry and upset about that, but I can't because there is a skill to marketing yourself. Yeah. And the only thing that I will say is this, is that I would like to hope that the product they are putting out is a solid product and like if you're a black belt you're a black belt you know if you're if you're, if you're a competitive purple belt and other things like that's fine but i i in one way or another, i don't really care so like the, the point of the matter is is like if you if you can hustle and you get your name out there and you can put out a decent product like good for you kid i ain't mad at you go make you get go make your damn money man and anyone <laughs> who would say anything wrong about that is money. just you know <laughs> screw you man because I, there's good would... there's good in everything to, to sort of pin off of something you said about the fact that in the, the digital age has made the transfer of information uh, like quicker, easier, gyms are learning more, like teachers are learning more things to teach mm-hmm. the students at a faster rate. We're seeing moves performed live. It's not like a match will happen halfway around the world and no one really knows the A to B on how the submission happened. We're able to review, dissect. Yeah. There's people that's whole job is their job is to dissect different types of videos on submissions but sort of another thing that i think is has happened is it's allowed the jujitsu community to expand and that's where you know you things like meme pages like because jitsu Uh really come in clutch i will never forget one of my favorite jujitsu memories as a white belt one of the hardest things more so than going to training was all the white belt memes i had to deal with which was like <laughs> you're garbage you're worthless and i'm like i know i am it sucks <laughs> and then i got i my my coach test uh, ed tested me uh and he gave me my blue belt like i was studying i was like training and like he's like he, he told me after, you know, I don't really test. I only tested to fuck with you. Like, I know you're <laughs> you would have had to fuck up really bad for me not to give it to you. And I'm like, yeah. you're a dick. So, Ed, you're a dick. But uh, at right the day after that, I woke up and it was the day that that uh, I forget which page it might have been yours. But that Key and Peel sketch where Obama is going around to oh, yeah. like, black <laughs> people was... and being like, and like if someone was like, uh, Brown Bell, I'll bring it in, bro. And then White Belt, nice to meet you. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And but then like he went to the new Blue Belt group and it's like, oh, bring it, start from the bottom. And I'm like, I'm finally, yeah, fuck White Belts. They <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I was so more. It like it almost meant more to me than getting my Blue Belt. Kev, I'll tell I you, finally laugh at White. Belts. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one little secret that Black Belts have, and and and, and that's this. The only thing worse than a white belt is a blue belt. <laughs> I got I got that hammered into me, but for because, one moment. Because, yeah. for one because one when moment. you get your blue belt, you think you know what the fuck you're talking about. I know. Oh, but like, it was the first time I was in on the joke a little bit. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> it's You know what's funny is like there really isn't a belt that you get to where you don't start immediately laughing at the one below you. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm already ready wow. to throw out. If I, get my, like, I can't if believe I get you my did purple that. Belt, I'm going to throw out all the blue clothes I own and like just laugh at people. Like, <laughs> I'll just buy like a purple suit and just. Be it takes. It takes about. I'd say probably about like uh, about <laughs> halfway through your purple belt when you're about like a three step stripe brown belt, stripe brown belt when you start to really kind of like see the man behind the curtain and you stop <laughs> caring about those little like ah oh, that stupid white belt or that stupid blue belt or oh, you know what right. i mean like the, the, the little <laughs> nuance or like my black belt instructor is a god you start to kind of like see if only he competed that, though that reality is when mm. and that's when you really start to but I'm really know that, what jiu-jitsu is and love it 
like the memes in a weird way and like the the in jokes and the things people can laugh at have added another layer to what it means to to be a part of jujitsu mm-hmm. and i think I, I i don't think it's crazy to say or to, uh, to hypothesize that it's kept a lot of people really invested in in the culture it used to be like you just go train you you only talked about your, your within your gym but now you can like shoot the shit with people from other gyms. There's gym in jokes. Like gyms will have like their own jokes that they'll post about. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I just I didn't want to like do the whole oh as a as a jujitsu meme page operator. What is it like for you? But like it's just it's it's really cool, man. Like, yeah, you know you know what's fun though, uh, or kind of awkward on my point. So to put you in my shoes for a second. I, I own and operate a gym with a full uh, group of students who have to worry about being memed. Ooh, that's funny. So, right. so oh, like shit, to the world care. too, like on the biggest <laughs> meme page there is, is <laughs> like, if good. I have to be careful when I'm writing them, sometimes I'll put like an actual name, like Kevin, <laughs> Kevin's talking to Joe in this situation. Yeah, right, right, right. And Kevin will come up to me on Monday and be like, bro, why did you choose like Kevin that? for that one? <laughs> that's not right. Oh my God. I think uh, live in a culture of fear. <laughs> yeah. I think it's if we level. think about, I think if we think about when you talk, you said the things about uh, jujitsu experiencing a, a, a true renaissance here in the States. I think it's has you unique, uniquely correlated time-wise with the, the, the social media explosion, yeah. which has given us, you know, a direct, contact on the ground running to the amazing marketing tools that, that, that social media have at their grasp and not even it's almost like secondary marketing tools You're, we're marketing despite ourselves we're not even trying hard we're literally <laughs> just posting like silly memes on facebook that immediately yeah. bring credibility to to, to jujitsu to bring mm-hmm. people in to look at the sports because they saw some silly little meme about them. yeah you would be surprised how many people uh that were either they're friends of me before i started training or they're friends that i have that don't train that say they love my memes and they I'm like they shouldn't understand the nuance but there's there's a uh I guess it's a tip of the hat to say that they can understand the humor without understanding the vernacular yeah that's yeah, <laughs> funny it's really funny yeah it, it, it does it gives it a whole new it gives it a whole new aspect which is it, it also when you start to see you know the 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 amazing uh competitions that they're starting to put out on the big stage and you see the production value that they're starting to put into fight to win events and they're starting to put mm-hmm. into Kasai events and the, and the different super high level events that are, that are out there and available. Like it's cool to see because like it makes the sport exciting to people that don't do jujitsu because like I've competed on a few fight to wins. I did a Kasai and it was super cool and I've done a bunch of super fights. And like when you come into an event and there's a, a really cool amount of production value like and you invite yeah. your friends to come watch the event maybe they get a little bored and they don't know what the hell is going on in jiu-jitsu but dude like i bring my friends to come watch an mma fight and they don't know they don't and they're not real fight fans no they don't know what the fuck's going on they start yeah. to scream they get a little excited everybody yells and when the action builds up they kind of yell with it but it's very similar to when you go to watch a jiu-jitsu match now there's more allure to it because you know you know when you're mma you're punching each other in the face there's that ultra violent mm-hmm you know aspect to it but like that point in in case is making jujitsu accessible and making it more more uh you know commonplace sure than, than yeah it it's, it's getting it closer and closer to mainstream right i mm-hmm. would say that like this it, it to 
just for frame of reference, whenever I have a guest on the show or like whenever we have a guest on the show, my mom is very supportive. She loves the she loves jujitsu, even though she doesn't understand it. But the God first thing out her of her heart, the first yeah. thing out of her, yeah, no, no, she's she's there. She's really like, yeah, is this I like that karate thing you did? You, you were young outfit. and you did karate. No, she she'll like she always say, you having a guest on, and I'm like. Uh yeah, we're having Drew, and she's like, "Oh, so like, could Drew beat Conor McGregor in a fight?" And then I'm like, "That's like, uh, it's not, that's not how that works." But I love that you're you're clearly putting in the effort. And then she'll be like, "John, that John Jones was in the interview. You should get him on." And I'm yeah, like, "Yeah, I love that you think I have that pull." Like, I know not that- people. I ask sometimes, uh, "Who should we get on the show next?" They're like Joe Rogan. I'm like, "Yeah, easy. Yeah. Let me just call yeah, him real quick." Just, here. Yeah, <laughs> today my mom was like, "What?" Why don't you get Joe Rogan on the show? Easy, right? I'm like, I, I would love to. Really, I would. Well, but it, I, to be I, honest, I, it might not be too hard to get John Jones on another five years. So I'm like, hey, John, John, it's me, uh, Kevin, fellow Catholic man. I yeah. wanted to talk to you about if, Bible quotes. Yeah. You want to chill on the show? Like yeah. Incoming call from penitentiary. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, New Mexico. <laughs> Come on, man. People, people want to know the real story. If I, if I didn't bring this up, I would be annoyed just because your, your, your meme page has almost made me pee so many times. Like just, I'll be flipping through Instagram and I'll, I'll violently. Uh, no, but the the one you just posted where it's like Gordon and they standing on skull all the people that died oh, because yeah. he went to shrink. But and that's the thing. I wanted to say that you, <laughs> I didn't see that one. That's you never. That's oh, hang on, funny, hang on one second. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a picture I, from Conan where it's got Conan yeah. standing on a mountain of skulls. Yeah, Gordon Ryan, man. You, I I want to I want to love that kid so much. Sometimes he makes he, it so hard. He oh. makes it so hard. I mean. You know, Makes, you know what's great about job? Her. He makes your job probably <clears throat> like very interesting, if nothing else. I can, yeah, I but could like do you don't want to make. It, I'm sure I, you don't want to shred him too bad. Because yeah, you could get no, well, because some of the shit he says is, is rough. There we go. There we go. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it's. Sorry, I, I try to be tasteful to right. sort of play to all the crowd, but but here's the thing. Um, we could make an entire interview about Gordon Ryan because there's nothing but just bullshit to talk about. Yeah, 100. percent One. One thing that I feel is maybe the best thing that he's bringing to jujitsu as a whole has nothing to do with his jujitsu, which is can't be shit on. Don't get me wrong. He's the best at nogi jujitsu, bar none. Um, Pena. <clears throat> um, but, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> but what he's bringing and is something that it took me years to learn, maybe seven or eight years before I could really, truly understand. And usually you have to get burned to understand it is that the difference between being good at jujitsu and being a good person are mutually exclusive things. And it is very easy to get trapped into a cult of personality that you really respect this guy because he always wins. And man, he liked my comment and I can't, I'm never going to not be for this guy and them do horrible, atrocious things that you're just going to justify because you love their jujitsu. I and see he's for sure and he's maybe the best case scenario to catch the most white and blue belts early to be like look love this kid's jujitsu but he's a fucking d- douchebag yeah. you know <laughs> i can't i can't even i don't even want to go down that crazy rabbit hole because you see mm. that in so many different aspects i mean like we society, had you know? we had nikki rod on and we love nikki rod but nikki he rod, did the whole interview off. which was like an and hour after a while you kind of got like, the like looming over the freaking after the the novelty of it wore off and he like it's just like he's standing in his kitchen without a shirt on like i love the 
but the yeah. thing of it is, like he, it, it, the novelty of it, what might have worn off, but worn off, but like there's never an uncomfortableness from Nikki because he's like, oh, I'm no. just, hey man, I'm taking my shirt off. That's just, mm-hmm. that's how I roll. Yeah, it's, it's like, like if you make it weird, you're gay. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, I guess, my hope for Gordon Ryan in the community where it stands right now is that he inoculates people to the idea that you have to be uh, a good person if your jujitsu is good. Well, yeah. there's, there's there's an idea that jujitsu crushes the ego, right? There's no ego in jujitsu, yeah, and there is no better counterpoint to that than Gordon Ryan. Yeah, but I mean, I will, I'll say this in my my personal interactions with him, as far as like respectful and mindful of me as a human being individually, he's always been super cool. Like I've met mm-hmm. him many times. I've trained with him at the Blue Basement. He's met me there at the Blue Basement, and you know, hey, what's up, dude? Like yeah. I talk fucking Gary Tone and you know and Danaher and shit like that you know he's always been super now this is he's a megastar now this was a couple years ago before he freaking hit the freaking big big time but like I remember when he was you know an 18 year old kid he competed at some one of the couple of the first competitions he was winning were on Joshua Duke show Star Lord shows down here the mm-hmm. Sapphire and I remember going to watch him I think I've actually competed in, a, in an event with him back when he was a kid so like now I guess the point being is, is like, I, you know, I don't know, man, to say that jujitsu hasn't taught him the lessons of hard work and dedication. And, you know, again, the black belt mentality that like, you know, he has built a certain amount of character and he respects the art of jujitsu. He just does not respect humanity. And and (laughs) (laughs) he like, he loves the art. He doesn't like people. I know it. I know right. what you're yeah, trying exactly. to say. Right, I know what right. you're trying to say. He, you see, you're, you're, I'm not saying he's not a black belt. I'm not saying he hasn't earned his black belt like we were talking about before. Like he's put in the work. He deserves what he's got as far as that's concerned. But what is nice for people to learn early before having to get caught in a cult is yeah. that just because you have a black belt doesn't mean that you're a saint. 100%. And, and like, actually, like, like I said, like you really start to kind of understand that. Like you don't deify your instructors anymore. Yeah. It takes a while, but around purple belt, mid mid purple belt, when you start to get close to your brown belt, you start to realize that like your, mm-hmm. your black belt instructor is really just another human being that happens to be very good at jujitsu. Uh, friend it, of the show, it's not magic for you anymore. Yeah. Friend of the show, Chris Noonan, he was just on uh, one of the past episodes. He makes it impossible to deify him because at every early op- every opportunity, he'll tell you, "Hey guys, just let you know, I think I'm bad and I'm garbage. If you want to go to a different school." totally get it i'm not good i'm yeah, probably true. the worst man alive that's, that's the old soft sell until yeah he i know we have I to build him up like, dude, you're for good that come on man <laughs> i have one play? of the other the other the, the my partner on my other podcast sunny parlor when we do the old McGrappin hour he uh he's like that he's that guy he's like yeah chris Chris ended the year at like top number five of flow grappling's like top 10 rooster weights for that year (laughs) so i'm like when he says he's like not not good i'm like that's not really fair to people that actually aren't good man like come on you're you're appropriating my culture yeah Yeah, like come on a lot of us work hard to be garbage all right appropriating my culture that's pretty funny you must be you must be a professional meme writer or something yeah right (laughs) quick i gotta do something right now you're like i I would love to just i would love to just know as from one like from a bunch of writers to 
to another how often like how much of your day is banked off for just i gotta write memes like is five it, minutes at a time oh wow so it's just like bursts <laughs> of like oh yeah, yeah. keenan uh keenan corn elias i gotta write that down yeah <laughs> i've actually used that joke but yes i saw it on your page it's like why are you that's, laughing that's uh, no reason in my mind mm-hmm. keenan corn elias and it's yeah did you see that did you see the one today I, I thought it was really funny i just shared it today it's not a jiu-jitsu specific meme but it's a picture of luke skywalker and that's a, it says something like I'm here to learn the Jedi ways. And then then here. Oh, I did see it. that. And I did like see that. Yeah. A picture of freaking like Obi-Wan. Let's do this thing. And then like, and you go down, it's Obi-Wan on, on a, a computer laptop. screen. Like, okay. <laughs> Please enter okay, the student Luke, portal. <laughs> <laughs> portal like, click down yeah. the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. That was brilliant. I don't know who yeah, made that, but I saw good. that this morning. Yeah. I posted that and put like, like modern, like jujitsu <laughs> post uh, COVID-19. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Well, Dan, dude, I love yeah. you, man, but I don't love you that much, man. I'm gonna figure I gotta get shit done, dude. We've been yeah, you gotta be better at ending these things. You always <laughs> end it like, all right, this is fun, but I gotta go get high and uh, play Red Dead Redemption, man. I'm Peace, <laughs> Kevin. I love you, but you know, my eyes twitching, so time's t- it's time to end, man. Yeah, man, we were two yeah. hours, man. It's still nothing. I know, oh, this wow, is, yeah, yeah, right. is a solid one. Yeah. Nice. I, I, I feel bad because I misled Drew. He asked, like, how long do these usually go? I'm like, oh, maybe like an hour. Yeah, we got good content, though, man. I don't think we freaking like it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I we, got... we, but the first hour was cocaine, Florida, tigers. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> There's no jujitsu at all. <laughs> no. it, it went everywhere. This is yeah, two man. parts of it. I'm going to break this into parts. There you go. Almost. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us on a, a twisty and, and curvy and, and very lost in the woods, but otherwise fulfilling episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Uh, definitely a positive uh, dose of, of fun and, and information in the, these trying times. I'm uh, feeling better now. That happy-go-lucky <laughs> Coach Kevin's back again. I, I, lost, yeah. I lost myself a little way. I had the concussion. Yeah. I had, I had the little Canadian blue. your way. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, the happy little Canadian put a, put a smile on my face and brought, brought me go. back. Drew's <laughs> government has currently barred us from coming in. Apparently, we're not good enough. <laughs> but, you know, I get that. It's fine. Uh, before you go, can I make some plugs? Oh, yeah, definitely. man. Definitely. Yeah, go ahead. Is yours, sure. sir. Cool, guys. So if you don't follow already, check me out on because underscore jitsu on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I've got uh, my own podcast, Rear Naked Radio, with comedian Jamie Kilstein. Uh, we run that every Monday. There'll be a new episode up on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube uh, for download online. You can find them all over the place. And uh, my Reverse Kimura series is available online, 79 bucks. Uh, we've actually got, I think, 15% off right now. So it's like 67 boxes it's changed to throw at it to learn this new grip that quite legitimately will fuck your partners up in ways that they wish they knew how also if you if you like the dvd and want to tweet about it share it on social media be sure to use the hashtag weather dead i am gonna make that the name i'm gonna force it i'm gonna this is my moment i feel important but uh, you actually just reminded me there was something i wanted to talk about so mm-hmm. one of my old training partners and a, a really cool dude rich montanari he is also uh, in his free time a toy maker a very prolific oh. guy under the name of mutant vinyl hardcore you can find him online and uh, although the production has been slowed due to the the current outbreak he has created a line of jujitsu action figures no the, kidding the this is scissor hands. This is one of the many different uh, faces that you can put on. Named uh, this is inspired by, by Ed, my coach, Ed Scissorhands Berberich. And uh, while updates are going to be coming in on when you can get your your greasy little paws on these, they're fully like 
like uh, uh, polymer. I don't know what they're made of, but they're super solid. They can stand. Uh, they will beat the crap out of your other action figures, no doubt. <laughs> I lost like a bunch of figure arts uh, uh, stormtroopers to this guy. So Rip. yeah, be sure to be sure to be careful. Uh, quarantine him away from your other action figures. Very. But uh, be sure to follow him on different social media pages for any updates because you're gonna want to get your hands on these. There's a bunch nice. of different head options. And yeah, that's about it. Uh, Kev, you have anything to plug? Or... No, man. Uh, just you know, uh, don't die, everybody. You know, you haven't uh, started do, your, your Red Dead Redemption Twitch channel yet. <laughs> no, no, no. Check me out at, uh, at brokendownoldman.com or uh, my Twitch account. <laughs> Old Man Weed sixty nine sixty nine. Hashtag Letter Kenny. <laughs> uh, I've, got, I've got I've got nothing going on. I have no ha- hopes and aspirations. Well, you will be able to catch Kevin here at the next episode of the Jujitsu Times podcast. Go. But in the meantime, I have been Kevin Bradley, joined by. Kevin Gallagher and special guest Drew Weatherhead. Thank you all for having us. We'll see you next time.